episode 23 of the Soccer FC podcast. Sean St. Jacques, Sam Siegel. A month off, I'm pretty sure, if I've got that right, since our last show. A lot has happened. Can we call this the off-season break? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was kind of our off-season break. I mean, then it sounds not as bad that we took a month off. Do you want a reason? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's, that's a better way of putting it for our PR people that we don't have. But I, I think that, you know, we needed a little bit of a break to digest everything. But also, you know, we saw the end of the Champions League. Bayern Munich are your European champions. Sevilla won the Europa League. They're your Europa League winners. And now we're ready for the new season. So it's going to be a lot of Messi talk today. We're diving into Messi. We're going to go to Messi first today. I think it's tough not to go with him leading off. And then we're going to preview and predict the Premier League season at the end of the show. And we will also have the best quiz show in world football. It's back three each to try to stump the other. Sam, we start with the GOAT, Lionel Messi. What a crazy couple of months it's been for Barcelona, really about a year now. I mean, when you look back to how last season's Champions League ended for them at Anfield, the way this season's Champions League ended in Portugal, losing 8-2. The the way this La Liga season went, too. Let's not forget. And what's happened since, which is not only Barcelona basically having a fire sale, we'll get to that in a second, but also Lionel Messi wanting to leave the club and almost succeeding in leaving the club. The only reason he is staying is because he doesn't want to sue Barcelona and take them to court over the $700 million release clause, which is just outrageous. Um, there was speculation that he was you know, planning on going to play for Pep Guardiola at Man City. There was speculation he wanted to go play for PSG. There's speculation he was going to go play for Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus under Andrea Pirlo. None of it happened. At least for the next year, Lionel Messi is going to play for Barcelona. Now, the fire sale thing, Sam, is just as damning on Bartomeu, the president, and the Barcelona brass. They've gotten rid of Ivan Rakitic for barely a million and a half pounds. It's a million and a half euros, I should say. Outrageously terrible business for them to send him back where he came from, basically, after what he's done for the club. And now they're basically a couple of T's and a couple of uh, crossing of T's and dotting of I's away from sending Luis Suarez to go play for Cristiano Ronaldo and Andrea Pirlo at Juventus. So. It's tough to wrap your mind around it. Messi is going to be on a really mediocre Barcelona next season, which is unfathomable to think of. Obviously, despite losing 8-2 to Bayern Munich, they still made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That's going to be so much tougher for them now without some of these guys there. Messi is going to be relied on more than ever for what could be his last season with the club. There's still time, obviously, for Barcelona to add some pieces. They have brought in uh, Pjanic from Juventus, and they sent Artur to Juventus, and it's in a swap deal, which just looks terrible for Barcelona right now. But it could work out. You never know. 
They're also looking into a number of different players. They're, they're, you know, Ronald Koeman, now the manager after uh, Kike Setien was fired. Oh, my God. Uh, I got to take a deep breath, Sam. This is just a crazy, crazy story. Barcelona fans can exhale because Messi is staying for the next year. But they, it, it's just the epitome of turmoil for one of Europe's great clubs. I think the, the, the way to look at it, if I were a fan of Barca, um, and I'm not anti-Barca or anything, but this seems like the moves, they definitely more obviously both financially and quality, even though, according to Wikipedia, they actually spent 500000 euros more than they brought in um however this was a selling season for them especially when you look at the 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 quantity um i think with barca this looks like more of an off season to make sure they win la liga again than making sure they rise back up into champions league contenders and you know how I feel about those quote-unquote one-bid leagues. This isn't Italy. This isn't Germany. This isn't France. Germany may not belong in that category. But if Barca is able to put together a side to win La Liga, I don't think that's a bad season for them with all things considered. It's not where they should be. I'm making that clear. This is clearly a step back. But... Is this an unsalvageable situation? I think no. If there was a, if I would, if this was Juve or this was PSG, and they were making these moves and not surrounding their goat with what it should be to take the next step, I think it would be a much more egregious display of just suckiness. For I kind of ran out of adjectives there, but the fact that I don't think that this puts them out of reach of Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid um, because they still have Messi. Do they not have, I mean, and they still have Griezmann. They still have, they still have the side. I don't know if Komen, Cumin, Komen, Komen. I don't know if Komen is the guy. I know he's managed sides, but has he wanted those sides? Not necessarily. Um, Barca kind of feels like he's a Barca guy. You don't know who else there was. You don't know if Pochettino could have or would have gone there. Those things are are always kind of out of the realm of information. But I don't think that this is a complete mischance from Barcelona if winning La Liga is important to them. Because are they the favorite? No. I put them easily at third right now. However... I think if, like, I, I would have put, honestly, Real Madrid at third heading into last year um, behind Atletico and Barcelona. If Barcelona pulls off a 2019-2020 Real Madrid, it could be worse. They're clearly not the threat in Champions League that we're used to being. And that is the biggest result of the last month. As far as Messi... I liked how he ended it, saying, you know what? I feel how I feel. I want what I want. I'm not going to sue Barcelona. I don't think there is a wrong in this scenario because I 
in general in life feel strongly about the legal system. It did appear that if Messi wanted to use that out clause in his contract, he could have done it in June when it was clear. It sounds like he assumed that all because the season was pushed back, it kept going. With contracts in law, now I don't know Spanish law, European law, but in law, you shouldn't make that assumption. So if I was Barca and the contract says I don't have to abide by that, why would they do that? You have the arguably the best player of all time. Why would Barca say, okay, we'll let you go with that technicality? So in the end, I don't blame Barca for stonewalling at all. I don't blame Messi for wanting it. I give Messi credit for realizing the argument wasn't what he wanted it to be. I I think you're spot on in basically everything you just said. I I, I wouldn't really, yes. you know. <laughs> Lawyer. Boom. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't really, you know, I, I'm not going to go too much deeper than that because that's basically my thoughts on it. They're not out of La Liga. You know, they're not totally out. Um, but it's, it's just got a lot tougher for them. And I think for champions league, the big problem for them has been their backbone has been their toughness. But again, if it's okay for them to say the priority isn't champions league anymore, if that's okay, then I'm not, then you got to kind of let it slide. Yeah. And listen, it's Barcelona. So pretty much every year they should be competing for the champions league, but they're not, not this year. And even with Messi, you know, they're not going to make a deep run, most likely, mm-hmm. you know, with what's 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 with what's there at the moment, I should say. So I I, I agree. I, I think that the next step, the next big shoe to drop is who is going to win the next presidential election at Barcelona. If Bartomeu oh, doesn't win. Like, wow, that, that's a big leap. <laughs> no, it's a big deal. You know, if he doesn't win it, Messi's more likely to stay. He does not like Bartomeu. Yeah. He, it's well reported that he's one of the biggest reasons Messi's wanted to leave this whole year. But reportedly, according to this goal interview that, that Messi did, you know, he hates Bartomeu. He, he was the big reason why over the last year Messi has requested, you know, behind the scenes apparently, a move. And if he, you know, Bartomeu does say, it looks like this is, this is going to be the last season Lionel Messi plays for Barcelona. But if he doesn't win... It's going to be very interesting to see who the new president's going to be. Is it going to be the one that Messi wants? I forget the guy's name, but but there's a, there's a president that Messi would like to take over because then Messi has more influence in who the next coach is going to be. Messi has more influence on transfers, reportedly, and he'll be more inclined to finish his career there. That also, by the way, is not great news for Ronald Koeman as well, who just got hired there. If Bartomeu loses his job, Ronald Koeman likely won't last after this season. So it's risky for Ronald Koeman to even take this job. And by the way, it's one of the big reasons, Sam, reportedly Mauricio Pochettino backed out of being in the mix for this Barcelona job, because whoever takes this job could easily not have it in a year, regardless of what they win. So it's a risky move for Ronald Koeman because he has a great thing going with the Dutch national team. He had them rolling going into the Euros before they got postponed to 2021. So it's a very risky proposition. By the way, he's apparently trying to get Dutch players to come to Barcelona 
it's very risky for those players to consider doing that because Ronald Koeman might not be there after this year. So it's another, <laughs> it's just another crazy thing that Barcelona has to deal with in the next year because this presidential election, the way it's reported, it's make or break for the future of the club. Whoever wins it, it they they basically will dictate how Barcelona will play in their next ten years. Mm-hmm. Like it's a big big deal, and it could it could end up basically deciding what happens to the end of Lionel Messi's career. It could hap- it could dictate what happens to much to a much lesser lesser extent Ronald Koeman's career and the next coach of Barcelona and who comes in to either help Messi or rebuild after Messi leaves. Mm-hmm. So. This is a huge deal. It's a big deal for European football. And it's just insane that, you know, five years ago, Barcelona were lifting the European Cup. And now in 2020, they've crashed out of the last four champion, five Champions Leagues. And now Messi wants to leave. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. But it's been just a crazy couple of years, specifically the whole five-year run uh, was a bit of a slow decline, but the last couple of years in particular, the Roma loss in the quarterfinals, the Liverpool loss in the semifinal, and then this 8-2 loss in the quarterfinal to Barcelona. I'm oh, sorry, to Bayern Munich by Barcelona. It's all come crashing down on one of Europe's best clubs, and now they're just trying to pick up the pieces. And right now, the biggest piece they have to keep is Lionel Messi if they can. They're going to get one year out of him. Can they get anything else? That's to be determined. And so. I think the thing is, what I've learned in my very short European soccer fandom is that, you know, you say you want to leave this year, you can always stay much longer. You say you're happy forever, you could always, you know, I mean, even as a Tottenham fan, we're talking about Pochettino. I mean, all I knew was Pochettino. He was the best thing that ever happened to Tottenham. He was gone, you know, two months into the season following losing Champions League final. That's European football. So if Met- Messi's reasons for leaving are completely valid, but also they don't seem like irreparable damages if the right people leave. Yeah. And like, so I I don't see any way that there is no way whatsoever that he stays. Now, if certain people get their way and don't step aside, I think it's clearly the last year. I also think, and and it's not entirely clear how much he, he wants or needs financially. There's a very limited market for someone like Lionel Messi. Real quick note, because uh, again, a great point by you. I just want to wrap it up with this, Sam. You know, on a slightly different note, these are still good players that Barcelona has let go here. Luis Suarez could really help Juventus out a lot. You know, this is a team that is still looking for its identity, identity, particularly by the way in the midfield. I have to say they still have not really addressed that, despite loaning in Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, However, Luis Suarez is a great addition, especially for Syria. I think he'll dominate Syria next season um, to help try to fend off Inter Milan for the Scudetto. You look at Ivan Rakitic going to Sevilla. Now, I know it's been a while since he's played for Sevilla, 
But Sevilla, again, are defending Europa League champions. They're going to be in the Champions League next season. Rakitic could help them make a little bit of a run depending on what, who they get in the group stage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like we've seen with, other, with past Europa League winners, it's very difficult in the group stage and particularly early in the knockout stages for them to advance. Very rarely does the previous season's Europa League winner do well in the next season's Champions League. However, that doesn't mean Sevilla won't be very much improved by adding Ivan Rakitic. They're going to lose Ever Benega, who's going overseas uh, to finish his career. Huge loss for them. He's He's been the cornerstone of that Sevilla team for a long time. You replace him with a former cornerstone and still a pretty good player, I'd argue, in, in Ivan Rakitic. It's, it's, and you didn't, you, you, didn't have, you didn't even have to pay $2 million euros for him. It's a steal, I think. And it could be a really under-the-radar move that really could impact somewhat the La Liga title race, not a ton, but somewhat that, and could impact certainly Europe, whether it's going to be in the Champions League for Sevilla or if they crash out in the group stages. The Europa League again, where they dominate, and they've won it the most times now with six European, uh, sorry, Europa League titles. So we'll see. But I, I think that's worth noting because it definitely impacts. Barcelona's loss becomes Sevilla and Juventus's gains in this situation. And by the way, Barcelona reportedly aren't done. They're shopping Gerard Piquet, or reportedly he could be leaving, uh, although many want him to stay. Um, and there could be a few others, like Artur obviously leaves to go to Juventus. Another chance for a big game there for Juventus as well. So things are still out in the open for that Barcelona fire sale. Sergio Busquets, by the way, another cornerstone, could be also on the move. So we'll see how that all plays out. But for right now, uh, Barcelona fans are going to go through a time in their history that they haven't seen not in our lifetime, Sam. I'll say that. I can't remember the last... I, I certainly haven't been alive the last time Barcelona were in this bad of a shape. So we're probably looking at the 80s, the last time it's been this bad for Barcelona. Maybe even early 90s, but even then they were still challenging for for titles. So we'll see. But for right now, it's not looking great, even though, even though Lionel Messi is staying at Barcelona for another season. Sam? It's time for our bread and butter. It's time for the Premier League. This is it's our favorite league. It's, it's that's right. That is exactly right, Sam. And we're doing a preview. We're doing predictions because basically the league's coming back in less than a week. We got to get this done before the league kicks off on September 12th. Sam, I I have kind of uh, decided, and I did this without asking you first. So I'm debate. I'm I'm curious to see what you think. I think we could go to one of two ways here. We, obviously, I think we're going to go preview first, then we'll reveal our, our table predictions for the 2020-21 Premier League season. Mm-hmm. We both have them done. They're ready to go. They're going to be revealed in just a little bit here. Do you want to go alphabetical through the Premier League teams, or do you want to go through last year's table replacing the relegated teams with the newly promoted teams. Wait, so are we giving something for each team? Because I'm not sure I have that much content. Well, we we don't have to. I'm just saying a little bit of a 
you know, preview first. We don't want to go through every team, well, but I, definitely I the top. Kind of lump it all together, to be honest with you. Um, oh, oh, I like I like where your head's at. I like, like if, where your if, head's if, at. If, we if can you go. Want, let's say your table, my table, and you just go down the table and kind of say, "This is why I think they're there." Ooh. Because oh, so you want to, Sean? So I have this in a note on my computer, and I'm going to keep it there because not just at the end of the season when we talk about the show, but our friendship, I think, relies on us being able to look back at our lists as the, as the season goes on. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And you know what you just did? You took the Neapolitan ice cream and you mixed it up in the blender. I like it. Oh, we're making a milkshake here. And we're diving right into the predictions. And we're doing a preview prediction mashup to finish the show. That's what I like to hear. Sam... Let's start with the relegation spots here. We're going to work our way up. Who's in 20th place for your 2020-21 Premier League table? For you first. We'll get to this later. Or actually, I want to start with this now. I did. Who I think will be the two automatically promoted championship squads. Oh. And the four teams in the playoff. I couldn't quite pick which would be the third team. So I kind of took an extra step. Wow, you did. So, I did not do that. Order two automatic um, promotions and the four in the playoff. I did not do this, so I'm curious to hear what your well, thoughts are on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> you got me on everything outside of England. I'll get you on the championship. <laughs> uh, and, and I looked up, you know, everyone's loving Brentford. And, yeah. and I really think that Brentford has the kind of style and depth where they can maintain it. They're my number one team. They also have their pretty strong forward. The other one who I've, I've thought the last three years would make noise. I think that Derby County is going to send Rooney into the coach's room with a promotion to the Premier League. Wow. How about I don't that? think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be pretty. But I think they've done as good of a job as anyone in the championship of preserving their players while still being able to bring guys in. It's so hard at that level to buy without selling. Um, they've kept it pretty even. So Brentford, Derby County are my two automatic promotions. Then in no particular order, Watford, Swansea, Nottingham Forest, and Norwich are my four I look around, lots of people think Swansea's going to slip. I thought last year was going to be their year where they wouldn't get relegated or anything, but they wouldn't struggle to be a top-half team. I think they show last year, and Swansea, they were like this in the Premier League too, always seems to get guys on loan that make impact for them. Nottingham Forest, I don't think they'd win a playoff, but they always seem to underachieve just bit much with Watford and Norwich Norwich has been able to get a lot of guys on loan um on top of that I think that as far as I've checked Pookie's still there if Pookie's still there they have a Premier League striker on top of a Champions League or championship lineup Watford time will tell we talked about this beforehand how much will they sell from now through the end of the window they could easily, easily get off this list. Is, is Dini still there? Is 
the fact that they've had four managers in less than a year, is that going to destroy everything? Watford easily could get off this list, and they also could easily push for a top two spot. I'm so going to only make my championship prediction. I love it. I'm only going to make one comment. Uh huh. And I, I'm going to make a guarantee. Okay. Watford will not be playing in a playoff. I, I think that that I, I don't fall. Now, are you saying, Sean, that they won't be top two? Or are you saying they're either top two or they're completely out of it? I, I think they're out of it. I okay. think they're going to be around 10th or 11th in the championship. Yeah. The, the reason why. So I made this list more on how it looks like now. I don't think that Watford's done selling. And I think if they're not done selling, they're not going to um, go back up. I agree. And I think the way the, the way the club is run, it's so poor. Yes. It's really bad. I could easily see them being Stoke, you know, really slipping quickly. Well, like I also didn't think that, and I really don't like the Khan family, I, I don't think that Fulham has run well, and they went right back up. Hey, you know what? That's a fair point. But – the bigger problem is they don't have a good coach either Watford okay. and yes. Fulham has a pretty good coach in Scott Parker. So yes. I will give you that. Yeah. Sam, I, that's a good point. Will the six, will the six managers that Watford have this year, put them up. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. It, and that, that half dozen is going to have their work cut out for them. No question about that. Sam, since you did that, I, I might as well hop in with my 20th team okay. in my Premier League predictions here. And I have to say, it's the team I just said. I have Fulham 20th in okay. the Premier League this season. Now, I, I just gave a lot of props, or some props, to Scott Parker, who's done a phenomenal job at Fulham to get them to this point. However, I think they were very lucky to get through the playoffs. I think they easily could have been beaten. Their back line is really poor. It reminds me a little bit of Aston Villa in some regard. My big worry for them is the health of Mitrovic, who has been a Premier League striker before. However, he's been hurt quite a bit over the last couple of seasons. They plan on relying on him again, it looks like, to try and get the goals to keep Fulham up. It didn't work the last time Fulham were up, uh, just about now uh, two seasons ago. They went down, came right back up. I don't see it changing. I think they're probably going to be... I don't know if they're going to have a, as good of a start as Norwich had, but I think I think Fulham is probably going to struggle early, pick up a little bit of steam after Christmas, and then they're going to flounder the last couple of weeks of the season. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty – when we get to the end, it's going to be self-explanatory where Fulham is going to be, I think. I think they're going to be 20th. I don't think they're going to get a ton of points from a lot of these games. Again, just because of that back line. Their midfield – which I'd argue is maybe their biggest strength is not great when you look at the rest of the Premier League. So as good of a as good of a job as Scott Parker has done, I've got them bottom in the Premier League. I think they're going to go right back down. My bottom team was if it wasn't my bottom team last year, I definitely had them getting relegated. I definitely think they played like it a lot this season, and they have not gotten better. Is Brighton? Um, really, Brighton? I. I, they're due. They're very much due. Um, just like, I mean, I mean, I'd say they were more due than Watford and Bournemouth. Um, they never seem to improve, yet they always seem to do just enough to not be put down. Um, I'll get to Fulham later. Fulham 
could have occupied anywhere of six spots for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said, um, but I have them a little bit higher. I'll go to 19th and then, and then we can kind of switch off that way. Yeah. Um, Aston Villa for a lot of it this past year, even though they were never in quite in this spot to me, were the worst side in the premier league. Um, they, I'd say that Bournemouth and Watford got relegated more than Aston Villa stayed up. Um, I think that's fair. I think they got a lot of credit for a safety save, and they had a couple good performances. And I love Dean Smith. However, they're not. They showed as much as I thought they'd kind of be the the Wolves slash what Sheffield United ended up being. I thought, just like I thought Fulham two years ago, I thought that their actions and their prestige would get them into that 10 to 15 range. It didn't, and I definitely don't think it's going to this year. That I have them at 19th. They may finish higher, but when I'm saying higher, I don't think they're finishing higher than 18th. So my 19th team is West Bromwich Albion. And it's for really a couple of reasons. One their defense. It's good. It's normally their trademark. <laughs> it really is. But I don't see it really panning out. I don't think they've had enough time to fix certain things at the back. You know, listen, Slavin Bilic has been a relatively successful manager in the Premier League with West Ham before he was let go. He has some solid players on his team. Hal Robson Kanu, Charlie Austin, Jay Livermore, Kieran Gibbs, the list goes on. These are all Premier League players that have played and had some success in the Premier League. Most of them without West Brom, by the way, not at West Brom. However, I worry about some of the age of some of the players. I don't think this is not a fast team at all. This is a team that's really going to have to grind out results. Biggest thing for me, Sam, when West Brom was good and barely staying up in the Premier League, they had to win a lot of their home games to get the job done. With no fans, it's a huge disadvantage for West Bromwich Albion. So I think they're going to be, I think a team that maybe hangs on early, stays in the race early, but I could easily see them, Sam, running out of gas at the end of this season, if not earlier. Like, I really, I just don't think there's enough depth, depth in the squad at big positions. I think you'd even question goalkeeping on this team. Like, I just don't love a lot of the positions that are filled here. Goal scoring was a problem in the championship at times. They almost remember they almost threw away their automatic promotion. So I, this is not that's a, a team. Great, that's a great point. So I, th- it's a team that I don't think is is made for this league. I have them 19th, and I and the only reason I have them, by the way, above Fulham, is because of the experience on the squad. It's more of a, it's a more experienced team slightly than Fulham. It doesn't always matter, by the way, in the Premier League. But I think that for newly promoted teams, sometimes it gives you a little bit of an extra boost a la Sheffield United in some respects. So I think West Brom will finish ahead of Fulham, but I think they go right back down. I think those, I think two of the three promoted teams will go right back down to the championship. So I want to tack on that. My 18th team was, was West Brom. And okay. I agree with everything you said. And and them being 18th versus 19th or 20th was really, I mean, l- like I said, a lot of the, 
my bottom four teams could be in any of those bottom four spots. Yeah. Um, the thing with West Brom is the players that got them up, the ones that won, or I forget, did, did they win or did they get second? No, they got second. Le- Leeds won. But they were first for most of the year. You're right. And they, they, they should have backed themselves out of automatic. The thing with West Brom is the players that got them out of championship are not Premier League players. Now, they were. I know you like Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin's not a Premier League player right now. Yeah. Al Robson Canoe, not a Premier League player right now. Matt Phillips, I love playing in FIFA whenever I'm Scotland. Not quite a Premier League player. They didn't bring in more Premier League players. And because of that, it's, it really is. And Norwich, to an example, as good as Pookie was. And, and, and Norwich, I think, had more talent in the Premier League than um, West Brom will bring in this year. But the, similar to Norwich, I see West Brom going through 2020-2021 as a championship side in the Premier League. And that's why they're not going to stay in the Premier League. My 18th team, Sam, mm-hmm. is a team you've already mentioned. It's Aston Villa. Oh, I thought I, you say Tottenham because I've mentioned them. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Aston Villa are due. I think I think you said it really well. Um, they got pretty lucky to stay up. Obviously, some would say VAR lucky. Uh, if you go back to that yes. Sheffield United game, uh, I digress on that. However, it's the back line. It's plain and simple. You know, they have talent in the midfield. They have some talent going forward. Probably not enough. If if I would if you know if I was a supporter of Aston Villa, I'd probably think hey, we probably need a little bit more up top. But the back line with Tyrone Mings and everybody else, it's a land of misfit toys, really. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get week in and week out with this team. One thing you're going to get with Aston Villa, I have to say, heart, effort, determination. They stayed with it, Sam. Straight up, I agree with that. When they were dead and buried, they kept fighting. And that's Dean Smith. That's all Dean Smith. It really is. And that's why, Sam, like you... I have a lot of admiration for Dean Smith. He's a great football manager. He's a great football man as well, well well-respected in the game. However, I I don't think – listen, Aston Villa are going to be scratching, clawing, doing everything they can to keep themselves up. But I I don't think it's going to be enough. And by the way, Pepe Reina, big experience backup goalkeeper for their team last year, has moved on to Lazio – in Syria, so they lose some experience in the locker room as well. Doesn't help, you know. Again, he's not a big. He played some games for Villa, not all the games. He was a late signing, but now you don't even have that experience left in the changing room. I think that's another small blow to Villa's chances. I think it's going to be tight. I really do because of because of who I have in seventeenth. But I think Villa will go down. I think they're eighteenth. So the thing that I left out about Villa, which I think further drives home the point both of us are making, and I don't think this will happen, but the top six still wants Jack Grealish. The top six, you know, it it, it all depends. I think you have a lot more leverage when you're still in the Premier League. And Grealish, by the way, back in form with the English national team. That's a big deal. So you could argue... Do you get your money now or, I mean, get your money if you're Aston Villa. 
you get your money now or do you wait if you're cut rate? I mean, another another example, um, I know I go back both on and off to the um, to the Ryan Sessignon example. Fulham got 25 million pounds for him. If they sold him the year before, and he had a decent year for being 18 in the Premier League, but if they sold him with leverage, they would have gotten a lot more. I don't think they will nor should, Aston Villa will nor should, sell Jack Grealish. But if they do, Aston Villa is not doing any better than 20th. That's for sure. Aston Villa, not a Premier League side anywhere with not. Sam, 17th. Who stays up? Um, I, I, I wish you didn't finish with that. Because while I do have Fulham in a safety spot, I'm not sure I see them staying up. However, I also don't think the three sides below them stay up. I think Fulham... Now, I thought they were going to lose to Brentford. I thought at times they weren't even going to finish in the playoff last year. Yeah. I did think they were easily one of the best three teams in championship. However, Fulham does what Fulham does. I think Fulham has, and I need to look at their signings, done a little bit better this time around than two years ago. They're not spending quite like they did, but they're not spending money they shouldn't be spending on players they shouldn't be spending it on. I think that Scott Parker did such a good job. And remember, he had a few matches in the Premier League at the end of the relegation season. He, I think he's done such a good job really meshing what he has. I think the fact that a lot of this team is the same team that got relegated, I see that actually as a positive for them, not a negative, because there are players with Premier League experience. Are they the right players with Premier League experience? Probably not. However, while I expected them to finish 10th or 11th two years ago, I think this team has a better chance at safety because of their seasoned experience in these kinds of situations. However, and I don't think they're going to be the, the defensive mess quite like they were. Will they be a good defensive team? No, they'll be horrible. But it won't be comically bad like they were when Claudio Ranieri tried to fix them. Um, I'm putting them at seventh. However, I will easily say you told me so if they finish lower. So 17th for Fulham for you. At 17th for me, Sam, I'm going to go with Newcastle United. Mm -hmm. And for two reasons. Number one, they didn't get the ownership switch they were hoping to get. I think that's a big miss for them. Um, not, it's not the be all end all, mm -hmm. but Steve Bruce, Sam was very lucky with injuries last season. That's not normal for Newcastle. They are normally, normally a team with the way they play that struggle mightily with injuries. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that again. They didn't really improve anything yeah, during the off season. I, I don't remember anybody coming in for Newcastle at all. And anybody that did, I, that I read was it's, it was young and, and not really affecting the first team. So Liverpool under 23 player, Niall Brookwell. I know nothing about him. 
My my point exactly. <laughs> so Jeff Hendrick from Burnley, that's about two or three years after I think anyone would be excited about Jeff Hendrick from Burnley. Correct. So I worry about normal things with Newcastle. I worry about their midfield. I worry about who's going to score the goals. Mm. Their back line is arguably their best. Uh, actually, oh, maybe not. I mean, it's Newcastle. I, I don't know. I, none of it's great. You know, what they really, you know, what put them in a decent position last year was their midfield play. I, I, I and, and to somewhat of an extent, their back line. But I don't see, I see goals being hard to come by for them. I think it's going to be a tough, tough season. I think they're going to be in a relegation fight for most of it. Sam, I think they just stay up. I think they're just a hair better than Villa. I think they're pretty, I, I think they're ahead of West Brom and Fulham by quite a bit. But I think that Villa and Newcastle will be the two fighting the last couple of weeks to stay up. I think Newcastle just edged them out and stay in the Premier League. So with me, I'm going for 16th, Crystal Palace. Ooh, interesting. I think Crystal Palace could kind of be, even though I had Burnley getting relegated, they could kind of be... Or no, it was Southampton last year. I had fairly low, and you know, you kind of forgot they were mid-table until the end of the year. I I could see myself be wrong on Crystal Palace. Um, the thing with them is 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 similar to I, mean, I wouldn't say similar to Newcastle because they have their own problems, but they're a mid-table side that just continues to do nothing else other than be a mid-table side. And I think when you're looking at, like, the Burleys, the Sheffield Uniteds, the West Hams, the, um, even, even the Brightons, even though I have them at 20th, they're a team that just has done less than those sides to avoid being more of what they are, if that kind of makes sense. I, I, I think that Crystal Palace too often is only what they are. And to quote the late great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. And I just think that's what Crystal Palace will be. It's a very interesting take. Uh, no question about that. For 16th, Sam, this might shock some people. It shouldn't shock a lot of people, if I'm being honest, but it might shock some. At 16th, I have Leeds United. Okay. And... I think it's because people are getting a little too carried away with Leeds United for two reasons. Number one, they haven't really improved a ton of the squad because they can't. I mean, there's just not a lot of room to wiggle there for Marcelo Bielsa. Number two, yes, it's a very good back line for the most part. Decent midfield. But can Bamford, who, by the way, I have on my fantasy team, I did take him in my, on my fantasy team as my third striker, can he give the same output in the championship that he did in the Premier League? And I would feel better about that if Leeds had brought, on, uh, brought in a second striker that's more Premier League ready, a la a Callum Wilson, a la a Troy Deeney. Not saying those guys specifically, but someone of that ilk. They didn't do that, not yet at least. So I worry about Leeds a little bit because I don't know where the goals are coming from. We don't know how they're going to do in the, in, in the Premier League as far as scoring goals. The rest of it's relatively there. You know, Marcelo Bielsa obviously is a legendary coach. He's already 
essentially done his job at Leeds. He's gotten them back to the Premier League. I think he will keep them up. I'd argue Sim might even be comfortable. I think they brought him in to make Leeds a Premier League team. And I think getting them up isn't isn't making them a Premier League team, a la Fulham. I I, I see what you mean. I I see what you mean by that. But I think they'll stay up. I'd argue it'll be relatively comfortable for Leeds, you know, Mm -hmm. like Brighton last year a little bit. I think they'll be sort of safe going into the last four or five weeks. But I I think it'll be a little bit more of a chore than people are giving the Premier League credit for, mm-hmm. for Leeds United. They'll have some moments, I think, this season, Sam. I think they'll have some, some, especially when the fans come back. It looks like the fans will try to come back around October, November. That'll be great to see Ellen Road with some mm-hmm. fans for a Premier League game. It's a great ground in England. That'll be great for the Premier League, especially when Man United come to town, the War of the Roses. That's going to be a really fun game. However, I don't think I, I've saw, Sam. I saw some previews. Some have them tenth, eleventh, twelfth. I think sixteenth is much more realistic for well, Leeds I United. I think they'll be fine. I have them, so that makes me feel a little bit better. But I'll say that later. I, <laughs> I think they'll be fine. I I just don't see them getting much higher than yeah. maybe fifteenth, somewhere around there. But I've got them at sixteenth. Okay. My fifteenth is. I have Newcastle at 15, mainly because mm. Newcastle never seems to do good enough where we're like, wow, great year. But they're also <laughs> never quite where we kind of expect them to be. Um, they're, they're so, I Personally, I mean, and they haven't really sold anyone they shouldn't. Their side has not really changed yet. There is still really the rest of the month and then another couple weeks of what is weird. So the transfer window will end, I believe at the end of this month for teams trading within or internationally. So for example, Newcastle can only bring in someone from Juve. I mean, that's not happening, but stay with me, bring in someone (laughs) from Juve through the end of, I believe September. But then I think there's two more weeks where English sides can do it. Last year, there's an example on, I know Tottenham loaned a couple people to League One and League Two. They couldn't bring them in. Now I think you can, I know it's not trade, but you can do commerce within England. So I wonder what Newcastle will do because there's got to be something. I don't know who they're selling, but there, there, there's got to be something. I think they're good enough to not go down, but that's not enough to keep them up. If that kind of makes sense, um, I, I do think there will just be enough because I think what Newcastle is, as long as I've been a Premier League fan, is they are a 15th best team. I don't think they're worse than that. I don't think they're better than that. That's more of why they're 15th. It's not a compliment, but it's also not an insult. I think that's well put. Um, we're almost, we're only a couple of spots off, by the way, on Newcastle. Sam, 15th for me, my third straight United. West Ham United are okay. 15th in my Premier League predictions. Sam, this, this is always a tough one. West Ham are always a tough team to gauge. You don't know quite what you're going to get. 
Um, you don't know what you're going to even get as a coach nowadays at West Ham United. Manuel Pellegrini didn't work out. He almost got relegated uh, with David Moyes taking over. David Moyes is going to get another shot at it this year. I think he'll keep them up. You know, usually David Moyes does well enough with a lot of these teams to keep them up, but it's about really the growth for West Ham. We're not going to see a whole lot of that this year. It feels like it's relatively the same squad. Few minor tweaks. You know, that's normally the David Moyes way. You know, making a few minor tweaks during the off season. Nothing that really changes my thoughts on West Ham. They're still they're still a team that's very inconsistent, especially creating chances and scoring goals. Mark Noble is going to keep them, you know, fighting till the end. Mr. West Ham, the captain himself, they'll be fine. You know, I think they're going to stay up. I think they have too much talent in the squad to be in a relegation fight. Although we said that about them last year. And there they were fighting till nearly the final day to stay up. However, uh, it'll be a little bit nicer for them this year. I think they won't be in a huge relegation fight for too long this season. But I don't think they're going to finish much higher than where they were last year either. I have them at 15th. I think that's probably fair um, for West Ham. I can't imagine them finishing much higher than that unless something crazy happens during the season in the mid-table. So, yeah, I, not much more I can say. It's, it's, I feel like I say the same thing about West Ham every year. Proceed with caution with West Ham United in your Premier League predictions um, because they're As not I to be trusted. Huge and I'm always wrong. So. <laughs> they're not to be trusted, yeah. uh, West Ham United, 15th. My 15th, and just like I am probably going to be wrong with West Ham, I don't have them too much higher than this. This team could very easily be a team I'm underselling for the same reason. And I, I think I had Wolves be a lot lower. I, I don't think that Sheffield United's achievements last year are indicative of the side they are. And I think their play after the restart is a lot more indicative of Sheffield United. I don't think they're going down, but I don't think at all they have the time. I mean, Wolves had the Portuguese contingent. I mean, Wolves had a team that we underestimated, and that was proof because their talent was there. You know, you, you, you look at the Sheffield United players that had good seasons. They're not the players that are going to continue to have you threaten for a Europa spot until the final few weeks. That's why I think that I don't think Sheffield United is going to get anywhere near relegation, which I think we both thought last year. But I think they are a lower mid-table team. And that's where I put them. They haven't done anything else to make it where, you know, Oliver Norwood is still one of their best players. Um, Oliver Norwood should not be one of your best players, even if that helped you get a top half side. So I think Sheffield United will revert back to what they really are. And I'm saying not what they should be because you could argue what they should be is relegation. I don't think they're definitely better than that, but I think what they are is right now. I, I think they'll go down eventually. I think they're a couple years away from getting relegated. So just to confirm, you have them at 14th. Sorry, that was a long ramble to say Sheffield United's at 14th, yes. There you go. Sam, my 14th team is a team you've already mentioned. It's Crystal Palace. Okay. 
I have Crystal Palace at 14th. This is, I have a big asterisk next to this prediction, Sam. And the reason I have that is because I am not entirely sure Roy Hodgson's going to last the season. Yeah. So that's a... And I, I, I think it may be his choice, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this is a big, big thing hanging over Crystal Palace right now is whether or not Roy Hodgson's going to last the season. Some feel there's a disconnect. Some feel the players are not fully bought into what he wants to do anymore. Listen, Palace haven't lost anybody big. They haven't added anybody big. It's basically the same squad. It's, for me, going to come down to, you know, again, Crystal Palace could easily be in a relegation fight. You know, last year they were you know, mid-table for most of the season, and then they court, they really flopped after uh, the restart. But they're a good team. They're not a great team. That's been the norm for Crystal Palace in their Premier League stint this time around. I think 14th is a fair marker. I think I'd probably put two places either way for that. If Roy Hodgson stays, everyone's on side. They could finish 12th, but if he if he leaves or gets fired, they could be in a relegation fight. They could be 16th. So I'm going to put him at 14th. I'm going to feel fine about it. I don't think there's a ton of room for error there. Um, But Roy Hodgson (laughs) makes a big difference whether or not he stays, goes, or whether or not the players buy in or don't to his style again. So I'm a little worried about that. That's why I've got an asterisk next to this one. But I feel good for, for the time being putting Crystal Palace in 14th place. That's relatively where they normally finish anyway. I think that's probably where they're going to finish again. My 13th, a couple spots off, I forget exactly where you put Leeds United, is is Leeds United. Mm. They are my, I'll say, um, Fulham and Aston Villa of this year. And what I mean is because, as you remember, and as I mentioned, two years ago, I thought, you know, the the most Premier League-like team, which had the most players that we thought were Premier League quality, on the ownership that we thought would spend would clearly push them, you know, into the mid-level. Um, I was grossly wrong with Fulham. I was wrong with Aston Villa. I likely will be wrong with Leeds because history often repeats itself. <laughs> However, I, I think the difference between Leeds and those two sides is it seems like Leeds, and I mentioned when you were talking about Bielsa, it feels like Leeds has been preparing to once they get in to stay, where it seems like Fulham especially, but also Aston Villa, put everything in to get back up. They thought they were doing it to stay. They spent like they were doing it to stay. But Leeds, I, I think, and even though they ended up winning championship last year, they were not, they, most of the year, they were not top. I think Leeds regardless, was easily the most talented side last year. And honestly, even the year before, for most of it, I thought they were the best team in championship. They held firm. They have players. Patrick Bamford could could be something. I think you need a little bit more. I don't think he's like the top striker or anything. They have a couple other guys up front. You know I love Jack Harrison. I don't think Jack Harrison is a top flight starting winger, but he's an example of players they put. And even though Jack Harrison, this is his third year on a loan from Man City, but he is kind of indicative of the kind of players they put together 
that have created a team that will become a lower mid-level table team. Um, Calvin Phillips was a guy that has been with them since he was a teenager. He got called up to the English team. I think he got knocked up. I'm not sure he's playing. But players like that that may not they may be too good for leads down the road at this moment are the perfect fit for them. And that's something that none of those aforementioned sides I mentioned that I've been wrong on before have. They also clearly have a premier league quality manager and they have a manager again, not to belabor the point that was brought in to be more than a guy who just got them to the premier league. So by the way, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, finish. So, so, so just to say, I don't think I, I, I strongly don't think, nor I don't know any of us would think the last two years we had promoted teams. One got into Europa, one threatened to the final weeks. I don't think either of these teams are that quality, nor did you think that Wolves and Sheffield would be that quality. However, I think Leeds by far is the best team of the teams that came up. Real quick, I just want to make a, make a quick Leeds note. I made a mistake earlier. I combined two of their best players' names together. Patrick Bamford is the player I was talking about yeah. earlier, the striker, and Jack Harrison. I combined their two names together, but obviously those will be two players that will be definitely big for Leeds' fates this season. Sam, 13th for me is a team you left buried for dead. A team I think is going to have a good season this year. I really do. Brighton and Hove Albion I have at 13th place. I'm shocked that you have them at the bottom. Graham Potter has done a really good job with this squad. I, I hope we both remember the level of shock because one of us is going to be wrong. I'm not saying it's you, but I hope we remember which one of us is wrong. <laughs> knowing, knowing the way it's worded, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But, yes. <laughs> I mean, um, it's crazy because... I, I, I like the squad. I think it's a good team. Listen, they, you know, Shane Duffy uh, getting loaned, I believe, to Celtic is a bit of a loss. Uh, you know, they have they have a little bit of a loss there with their depth with the back line. Well, Not that Shane Duffy is playing a ton. But, uh, yeah, but it's one of those things where I think the midfield is relatively set. It's a little inconsistent, but it's set. This is a team that can score goals. And the way that they play, Sam, it, it's, it works in the Premier League. They've shown over the last couple of years more even. I mean, again, I thought Bright were going to get relegated last year. Graham Potter proved me wrong. They have done. He, he done or Chris Hewton kept them up. I thought Chris Hewton should have stayed two years ago. Graham Potter comes in and improved on what Chris Hewton had done. I think they're going to improve again. I got him at 13th place. I think they're going to get enough goals going forward. I think they have a solid midfield for the most part. Again, I worry if anything's going to undo Brighton's season, it's going to be that back line and the lack of depth that they have there right now. But Lewis Dunk's a good player, a good leader back there for Brighton and Hove Albion. I've got them at 13th. I think they take a step up. And Sam, to be fair, I think it's more of an indictment of where I find Palace at, at the moment, mm. West Ham at at the moment, and Newcastle out at the moment, why I have Brighton up at 13th to be fair. And by the way, Villa as well. But I think Brighton will take a bit of a step up. I think they're 13th. So my, not, not to go back to my point, you look at where Brighton's been in the three years they've been up. 15th, 17th, 15th, and they're not better than any of those years. 
I don't think Adam Lallana is the improvement they need when the two, when arguably two of their most potent offensive threats are no longer on their team. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this is slightly biased. I, th- that, that was kind of what I was leading into. <laughs> Adam Lallana has got a lot left to give. I'm, I'm not, not saying, saying that, but I'm saying that I don't think that he alone gives them what they haven't been having when they let those two guys go. I think that's fair. However, it's, it makes up the difference a little bit. And I think that could be crucial because, again, they needed some creativity in that midfield. That's what Adam Lalana brings to the table. He can score goals. He can create opportunities. I think it's going to help Brighton quite a bit. Now, I'm not saying that that's the sole reason I have him at 13th, Sam. I think the, the big thing for me is, is the consistency that they've showed with the way they play, the way that they can defend, the way that they can absorb pressure but also hit on the counter, and the way that Graham Potter can adjust game to game. I think that's something that has been lacking, especially with teams like Crystal Palace, definitely West Ham United, and definitely Newcastle United. Well, so I think Brighton's the team that if, takes the step up. If this Liverpool cast-off does what Danny Ings did for Southampton, then you're definitely going to be right. <laughs> I don't know if it will see Danny Ings-like numbers, but I think Adam Lallana could give them a nice boost. I really do. Okay, my, I'm at my 12th. Um, I was wrong on this team last year. I, I, you know, a lot of this kind of like what, what you said while you had Brighton hires because just you had other teams lower. Yeah. West Ham, I think I, I mean, <laughs> this kind of goes without saying, I'm either going to be really right or really wrong with West Ham. I yeah. don't think there's a chance in hell they are better than 12th or at best like 11th, but even though he didn't do well, Moyes is the right manager for that side. I think, although the results haven't shown it, I think that West Ham has kind of kept their strengths in together. I don't think that they have made the moves yet that they need to make. Although I read something that says, I don't know if I'm saying this right, I'm Tomas um, Sushek, who came in on loan and then they bought, he was a big, big reason why they stayed up. He, I, he's phenomenal for the Czech Republic. I think he's a very unheralded Premier League player. Um, he could make a difference. I'm not saying he's the reason why they're 12th and not 16th. But if that's their move, they need a little bit more, but it's not nothing. Um, I'll put it this way. They're either 12th or David Moyes doesn't get past New Year's. It's really going to be one or the other. Uh, that's, that's definitely, definitely a fair point. And, 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 and I, think, I think where we've got West Ham is probably the range. I've got him 15th. You've got him at 12th. I think that's probably yeah, the range That's a for good them. point. Don't think they're going higher. I don't think they're going really that much lower. Sam, 12th for me is a team that I really – I debated putting higher, I have to say. I thought about putting them 10th. Um, I, I've been a little bit more conservative with them here for a couple of reasons. And that's Southampton. I have Southampton at 12th. Um, I wanted to go higher. Um, two things pulled me back. And the first was the loss of Pierre-Emil Hoybier. I think that's going to be a bigger loss than people are anticipating. 
with the Saints this season. I think he was a bigger deal, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch for them as well. Good leader, a good guy in the changing room, a guy that people looked up to at Southampton. I think him going to Tottenham is a big deal for not only Tottenham, and I'll get to that later, but also for Southampton. I think it's a big loss. I really do. Now, Danny Yang's fantastic season. I really think that he's going to keep it up. As long as he stays healthy, I think Southampton will be fine. However, what's around Danny Ings is relatively mediocre, which is the par for the course lately for Southampton. Um, I get worried, Sam, because of how bad Southampton were for most of the first half of last season. Yeah. And they've got runs like that in them because they don't defend well. And losing Hoybier isn't exactly going to help. And they again, they've addressed some of the issues, but... The way Ralph Hassenhutl plays, they it's open for for scrutiny because of the fact that they can go through stretches where they don't defend well enough. This is a team that lost nine nil to Leicester and then beat that same Leicester team in Leicester two one. That shows you the inconsistency of this Southampton team. Sam, that's why I couldn't go top half of the table with them. I I, I really thought long and hard about it. It's still a good team. But I put Southampton at 12th. And I think Ralph Hausenhudel could prove me wrong because of how well they ended the season. But I worry about how they started last season. And that's why I'm going to be relatively conservative here and put the Saints 12th. Have you called Burnley's number yet? I have not. Okay. I have them at 11th. And do you really have Burnley at 11th? Yes. Interesting. I'm not convinced they're the 11th best team in the Premier League. But I always think that, I mean, last year, I thought that at sometimes they didn't even play their best football and they still got 10th. Um, I think Sean Dyche will do what he's, for the most part, done every year, really, other than two years ago. I think they're somewhere in between what they were when they finished 7th in 1718 and last year and that puts even though they finished 10th last year i think they overachieved so i'm putting them at 11th because i think after a, a few years just like i'm ready to say the thing about wolves right now after a few years maybe you really just look at maybe that is burnley maybe burnley is like a 9 10 11 kind of team um, I, 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 I think that just like a lot of teams I've mentioned, I think they really need to get a couple players just so they're not relying on repetition of the past. They have not done that yet, although they haven't really sold anything other than, I mean, Aaron Lennon went to Turkey, but Aaron Lennon hasn't been Aaron Lennon in a while. Jeff Hendrick went to Newcastle, same thing. Um, I think they need a little bit more to make sure that they're in this 11 range. But I, I, I think there'll be one or two moves that just keeps them where they're at. Sam, you know what they say? Great minds think alike. I have Burnley at 11th as well. I was going to say, and occasionally we do too. Uh, <laughs> I think Burnley's, I have them at the exact same spot. I think that's rarely happened with us, uh, with certainly this far down the table. I think but, that last year, I think we had a couple before we got this far up, but I'm intrigued. Go yeah, on. Yeah, Burnley. So Burnley, Sam, 
I only have two reservations here about Burnley. It feels like I say that every team. But for Burnley, these are pretty legitimate. I worry about the relationship between Sean Dyche and the board. Oh, it's, I missed that. That is an amazing point. It, it's, it's clearly been an issue over the last year and a half. This is a team that needs investment, like he you is mentioned. too good for them, and I am channeling every chick flick analogy when I'm saying that. <laughs> it's, it's true. What, what Sean Dyche has done is nothing short of remarkable at Burnley. Their defense Burnley is fantastic. is the smelly kid that got lucky and doesn't know it, and it'll probably be too late. <laughs> it, it's it's the way right because the way they play it's it's so unorthodox for for football nowadays for soccer but it works for Burnley it's the way the Burnley plays they're hard workers they play for the team they play for the manager they play as one you know guys like Ben Mee Chris Wood Ashley Barnes you know really good players that just fit the system I mean that's just how Burnley goes about it however Sean Dyche has been saying for this entire past season that Burnley need more money put into the squad. And if he doesn't get yeah, that, Sam, and, he yeah, and, and he's right. Yeah, right. he's absolutely right. But the problem is Burnley's a small town. It's, I believe, a mill town. It, it's not made of money. The chairman is very hesitant, reportedly, to listen to Sean Dyche on this. So I worry about what Burnley's going to look like next season. And by the way, specifically after the January transfer window, that being said, Sam, they just played a full season with this hang over their heads and finished in the top half of the table. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to be okay if they keep playing the way they're playing. I just worry about that. And I worry about Sam. The second point here is the health of the squad. It's not a deep squad. It's not a squad, which is part of the reason why they need investment. Um, it's not exactly deep in the midfield, which is something that Burnley has struggled with really throughout their entire tenure in the Premier League uh, in this run. They've never been extremely consistent there because guys like Ben Mee have gotten hurt in the past. So I worry about that. However, Sam, if Sean Dyche stays at Burnley and he continues to manage like we expect him to do, I expect them to be no lower than maybe 12th or 13th. I think 11th is fair, especially for who's below them. They've been consistent enough for me to buy in on them. And I think Sean Dyche is a manager that I trust even more than I would trust a Hassan Hoodle or even a Graham Potter, who I just spoke very highly of. So, and I like saying both Dyche and Hassan Hoodle, so I'm fine with both of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Burnley at 11th is more than fair. And we agree, which is very, very cool. So I think, yeah, I'm going to put Burnley at 11th and feel pretty good about it. Now, I think for the most part, uh, there's only one team you've said that I haven't. It's not this team. I've had Everton. I think they could be anywhere from like 8th to 14th. Um, Mm. But how they finished and how much better Carlo Ancelotti had them over who they were with. I, I, I don't think they're a Europa team, but I think they're, again, not to use this term too much, I think they are going to be where they should be. I think they are starting to spend. Um, I know they got Alan from Napoli. Um, I, I, I don't think that is, uh, you know, market signing, but also at the same time, they brought in players last year that were very, I mean, they had one of the best windows last season and it didn't show. 
I think that um, Alex, uh, uh, I'm stuttering for a little bit. Uh, Awobi could be more. I think that Andre Gomes is healthy. They had him on loan the year before. They still have Fabian Dell. I think Moise Keane, he's a guy who played well for Juventus as a teenager. I think that Calvert-Lewin is definitely overachieved last year. I'm not convinced he is a Premier League starting striker, but if they are able to get Moise Keane up to his level and have two guys up front, I think they are one of the most potent offenses outside of the powers. Um, I think that all puts a team that, again, what they should be is threatened for that seventh spot. They need to have their signings play how they should, and they need Carl Ancelotti to play like, or to manage like the legend he is. I think that unlike last year, they won't be 18th in December. It's will they be better than 12th at the end? I think so. Not necessarily that much more, but they, 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 they do have a lot going for them. Sam at 10th, I've got another team that you have uh, maybe not buried here, but you put pretty a few a few spots lower. I've got Sheffield United at tenth. I I think that Sheffield United can keep it up. You know, I kind of I kind of disagree with with where you were going with that earlier, just because I trust the manager. Yeah. I think Chris Wilder has he's proven himself over this last two year stretch with Sheffield United in the championship and then in the Premier League. He gets this team. He knows this team. He's got a good relationship for the most part with the chairman and the front office. I think Sheffield United, again, barring some injuries, again, you mentioned a good point there. The depth of the squad needs a little bit of work. At some point, that will need to be addressed if the, if the Blades want to stay in the Premier League long term. But Sam, I, I, I think they finished ninth a season ago. I think one spot lower is fair. I think they're going to struggle at times this year. I think teams will figure them out to a certain extent. I think that's all fair. However, I still think they're better than the Southamptons, the Brightons, the Palaces, the West Hams, the Newcastles. I think they've got a better team. It's a more, it, it's a tight-knit squad. I'd even argue some of the, you know, again, West Ham, you'd say, you'd say, well, they have more talented players. Crystal Palace have more talented players. But Sheffield and I have a better team than those two teams. They've got a better team, I'd argue, than Southampton from top to bottom. Now, to be fair, one of the things that could really boost things, Sam, for Sheffield United is if Dean Henderson doesn't get the number one spot at Manchester United. If he does beat out David De Gea, reportedly he's going to stay, obviously, and be the number one goalkeeper at Man United. If he doesn't do that, he's going to go back out on loan again, and he could very easily go back to Sheffield United, where he was a star last season that'd be a big boost for Chris Wilder um and I think that I would I would have to maybe think about even putting them a little bit higher if Dean Henderson were to come back that's still very much up in the air Sam I didn't consider Dean Smith to be fair when I put this together so I consider the team without Dean Smith uh, sorry Dean Henderson pardon me so sorry to me not not to counter too much I was thinking okay the same squad and Dean Henderson was their most valuable player last year. Yeah. So I, you know, they very, and that's a different argument not to go too far. Anyway, I think it all depends on 
Dean Henderson. And it also depends on if, if he's not going to beat out De Gea, which he could, if he, but if he's not going to, do you, I wonder if Manchester United would keep him in the premier league as far as a loan option. Well, I think they would. I think at this point in the game, I think there's not many but other they, options. They want to be playing against Dean Henderson. Well, they could they could be smarter about it this time and make it so they don't have to. They Good could point. easily they could easily figure that out. Yeah. But I, I think it's the best option. They've done it already, and I, I don't think twice. you know there's going to be. They've done it with him twice. Exactly. Because he was so their I, goalie in the championship. So I, I think this makes a ton of sense if Dean Henderson doesn't get the number one job at United at Man United. Regardless, Sam, I think they'll be 10th with or without him because I think that this back line is really strong. The overlapping fullbacks, the way Chris Wilder plays, it works. I think it could work again. It just depends on him. They, they will have to make some adjustments because teams will figure them out. But I think they're going to have enough goals going forward. I think McGoldrick's going to be a key there. McBurney really stepped up for them last year, Ollie McBurney. Can McGoldrick, the Irishman, provide the same impact He's got he's to throw in a few more goals, I think, for Sheffield United to, to live up to this prediction. But I, I, I am willing to bet on, on the Blades here. I think they finished 10th. My number nine, um, last year I kind of flipped them back and forth with Everton. I think they could be anywhere from 6 to 12 is Leicester. Um, mm. I want every party to be a Vardy party, but you just <laughs> don't know. When, when your best player in Granite Golden Boot is a guy who will be 34 this season, if I'm correct, you just don't know. Now, everything against or about Ryan Vardy, or sorry, not Ryan, Jamie Vardy, says forget convention, and I'm willing to do that. However, they, the, ever since the restart, they were not good. And do I think they're that bad? No. Do I think they're the team that were second and third for most of the season? No. I think that they, Brendan Rodgers, they will continue to play solid under Brendan Rodgers. A lot better than they were under Club Puel. I think that that effect will still have Vardy as one of the top strikers in the Premier League. Can they get everything around him? I think losing Ben Shilwell to um, to Chelsea is a big loss. Um, I I and, and, and again the last couple of teams I've rattled off in this ranking have kind of been the same category. I think I very well could be wrong a couple spots in each direction about Chelsea or sorry Leicester. I was thinking Chelsea would show well. I think that Leicester is very solid. I, I think that of teams outside the top six, they have the best chance of getting fourth or fifth. But I could see them playing a little too much like they were post-restart. Now, granted, they were injured right and left. That was, that was not a talent issue. Um, it was a shame that they missed on Champions League because they deserved it. And it was because the players they were trotting out on the 37th and 38th match day were not the players that got them there. And that's a shame. However, I don't think they'll do as poorly as they did the year after they won the league. But I think they'll get a little bit back to earth and they overachieved for a little too much of last year than I was comfortable with. 
Yeah, I think all those points are fair. I really do. For ninth for me, I've got Everton. I, okay. I, I, I think that I trust Carlo Ancelotti. I think it's going to be a slight improvement over last season. You mentioned the Allen signing. I think it's a good signing. I don't know if it's going to be a make or break kind of a deal. I worry about that, how much of an impact he's really going to have in his first season. That's been one of the big problems lately, Sam, and you kind of touched on it a little bit with Everton's signings. They don't seem to make big impacts right away, and that's a bit of a problem with the growth of this team. And I worry about the Toffees defensively. That's always been a problem with Everton over the last five or six years. It really peaked at the Marco Silva end um, in the middle of last season mm. when they lost 5-2 at Anfield to Liverpool. It really showed up. So, listen, the talent is there. It, that's never really been a problem at Everton. They've been able to get good players there. They just can't fit them together. And I, I don't know if this is going to be the year that Carlo Ancelotti does it. I think he needs another couple of years to really put his stamp on the squad. I think they'll improve. I think, I, I think they finished, what, 12th or 13th, if memory serves, somewhere around there last year. I think they'll get to 9th this year. So that's a slight improvement. It's not where Everton want to be. But I think they're going to be they're, – they're starting to – I think this, is, this will be a year we think of Everton – They've taken a slight step forward under Ancelotti, and I think that for the fan base will be a good thing. And then we will we'll, we'll really, I think, see what Ancelotti will do for the, the year after this upcoming year. That'll be the make or break year, I think, in the transfer window and certainly on the pitch, because then they'll be thinking, we need to be in Europe. And they'll, they'll, I think they'll make a good push at it that year. I don't think they're going to be you know, anything special. I don't think they're going to be in any races you know, for, for top seven, uh, let alone top four. Uh, and I certainly don't think they're going to be in a relegation fight like they were at times last year. So I think Ancelotti will sort of steady the ship. I think we'll see some good stuff from certain players. I think this is kind of a make or break year for the likes of Theo Walcott, Gilfie Sigurdsson, these are guys, and Michael Keane. These are guys that have to have good seasons, or they could be out the door. You know, Seamus Coleman, the captain of the team, has even said, this is a year where guys have really got to play their best because the, Ancelotti's not going to take it. This is a world-class manager, and if you want it to be you know, <laughs> the standards of a world-class manager, at some point, guys may have to go. So these guys have got to step up, or there are going to be some changes again at Everton. He's sort of trusted parts of the squad. I don't know if those, that trust will pay off for Ancelotti, but... I, I think for now, ninth is a fair assessment. I think I had them ninth in my preview last year, if I remember correctly. I think they'll 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 be right around there. I don't see them going too much lower than that. I certainly don't see them getting much higher. Maybe eighth, but I think ninth is a fair fair spot. I think Everton fans would take that, to be honest with you. So my eighth team is a team that I have. Um, very much undersold the last two years in this edition. And I very well could, but this time I have Wolves finishing one spot lower than they have each of the last two years. Um, they could be higher. I very well could be wrong. And I think when I, once I tell you my seventh team, you will think I'm wrong. Um, Wolves, the thing that they don't get credit for, other than the fact that I don't think Nuno is, is es Esperito Santo gets enough credit for is how really top flight the manager he is, but his ability to get his countrymen in and, you know, th there's something about Portugal 
that has done very, very well for Wolves. And that's, I mean, I think it will continue to be that way this year. They brought in a young 18-year-old from Porto for $35 million. I don't think he'll play much right now. But what they've gotten out of Nevis, what they've gotten out of Patricio, yes, they're losing Matt Doherty, which I'm happy about as he is going to Tottenham. And then also, well, not Portuguese, Raul Jimenez, I think really backed up a coming out of nowhere year with a very solid season. I don't see any way within reason, within like coming out of nowhere and guys getting injured, that they take a huge step back. I don't think they'll break into the top four. I think, you know, even top six, I think there's still a very big difference between the top six and everyone else, even though um, Spurs and Arsenal had such a poor year last year. I think that Wolves is here to stay. And I think what here is for them is where they've been. And that is battling for that final Europa spot. Um, And that's impressive for a side like Wolves that before that was never really anything better than uh, up and down team. And was even in league one, I think a few years ago. So I, 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 I think they have conquered the challenge that, so few teams do, which is doing more than just getting lucky their first and second year. Now, time will tell. They're only in their third year up, but I, I don't think that they're going to be you know, down within the first next couple of years. So, Sam, you have Wolves at eighth. Yes. So do I. Boom. I've, I've got Wolves at eight as well. That's our second spot on prediction of the show. That's pretty remarkable. Um, I'm not going to add too much to what you said. I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Espiritu Santo has done an incredible job at Wolverhampton Wanderers. The Portuguese connection pays off again and again for this club. It's great to see it, to be honest. I love Ruben Neves as well. One guy I think you forgot to mention who I think deserves a huge mention is Adama Traore. Yes, yes. What a phenomenal player he is. Multiple people, including Jurgen Klopp, and others in the Premier League have, have said how unplayable he can be at times for Wolves. Keeping him, Sam, was arguably the biggest uh, recuperating, uh, you know, bringing a player back in all of the Premier League this season. I think he's so vital to what Wolverhampton Wanderers do in the attack. I think he's going to have another great season. I think someone's going to buy him for a lot of money in a year or two. I think he's going to be a f- fantastic signing for somebody big, a big-time club somewhere in Europe, maybe even in the Premier League at some point. He's a great player, and I think that, that that back line led by Connor Cody doesn't get enough credit. I think at times that, that they get carried sometimes by that back line. I know how much they can score, and you know, Diego, Diogo Jota, by the way, another great player that, at their disposal as well. But the, the way they play at the back, the way they fight at the back, has really won some games for them this year. So I, I think it's the place they need to improve the most, but it's still a really good back line, and, and I think that Again, losing Matt Doherty is pretty big, I would say. Uh, it is a big deal that he won't be there, but this is a team that can recoup and a team that can can still move forward. And I think eighth is fair for Wolverhampton Wanderers. I think there's slight room that they can move up higher than that, but I think eighth, I think is I, I think it's a fair assessment. I think we're both uh, obviously we're both spot on with our predictions. We both have them in the same spot uh, is what I mean, but. I, I could see Wolves finishing, you know, seventh, maybe even sixth. 
I don't see them falling much further than ninth, but I think eighth is fair. I think they've got a good squad, great manager, Sam, like you said. And, and I think I think it was a really smart thing to mention Rui Patricio, really experienced goalkeeper, a really, really top-of-the-line person, and a great leader. And I think that's something that a squad like Wolves needs to stay where they are and possibly improve on in the future. So I have Wolves as well at eighth place. So my seventh place team, and, and I, I was looking at this team in a way that whenever you fill out a March Madness basketball bracket, you need one or two 12 seeds that for no reason other than you just want to get lucky. I got I got a feeling I know where you're going here. Um, and you honestly, if I had heard your kind of description in feelings about this team before I picked, I consider knocking down the spot. I think this team has the potential to boom. I think they very well could be a bust. I think last year I had them being relegated. They won't be relegated. I also don't think that Danny Ings is going to score 22 league goals again. And I do agree with you. And a lot of this is just because I'm so happy that Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, him not being there, is going to be a big, big loss. But they, but Southampton looked so good at the latter point of last year. And they do have... A, the players they have, James Ward-Prose is a guy that could leave by the time the season starts. And that, that's the thing with Southampton. We were talking about teams at the bottom or even teams a little bit lower like West Ham, where I said if they – I was assuming that they bring in enough players to make them better. Southampton could easily sell themselves out of this spot because there are a couple guys that – they very well could cash in on. James Ward Pros is on the top of the list. Danny Ings, I think, is is he's the best he's ever gonna get right now. I don't think flipping him after a year of stardom will do anything. But the player I really have my eyes on that is James Ward Pros. I I think that I, me having them at seventh is really, and you saw this last year with how close at the end until the last couple match days the 6 to 11 spots really were. I mean, I remember at one point Everton was only a couple points behind Spurs and Everton finished 12th. So Southampton, this is my 12-seat Cinderella pick. I'm not saying it's a complete joke I have them there, but I'm saying this, I'm putting them at the boom on the boom and bust. So I'm just going to have, I have one comment. Please. The last time Southampton finished seventh in the Premier League, their best player was named Virgil van Dijk. And who was their manager? It was Maurizio Pochettino. Correct. So we'll see. It's a bold pick by you. I give you a lot of credit for, for going bold on that, but it's going to be a tough ask, uh, I have I agree. to say. I agree. And, I think, and you know that. You know that. But it's certainly going to be interesting to see what happens with the Saints, no question about that. Sam, seventh for me, this is probably the easiest uh, one for me, maybe in the entire uh, table, to be honest with you. It feels, it feels easy for me because I don't think they're going to um, improve a ton this season, but I think that if they stay healthy, and that's the big thing with this team, they could be a challenger for the Europa League yet again. I think it's Leicester City, yeah. and I have Leicester at seventh. 
for two reasons, really. Obviously, you mentioned a great point. Losing Ben Chilwell is a huge loss, no question about it. However, James Madison was hurt at the end of the season. They lost Soyuncu to a red card for three games, three big games at the end of the season that could have put them in the top four that they ended up blowing in the end, of course, because of the injuries last season. To be fair, I do worry about Vardy's age, but I think he can. He, I think he's probably got one or two really good seasons left I, I in him. He's given us all enough reason to stop worrying, even though all conventional yeah. says we should. I For sure. And I think to round it off, I think that the midfield is so good. Tielemans there, Yuli Tielemans is a really good player. I think you also look at Harvey Barnes. I really think that he's going to take a big step forward this season for Leicester. Listen, you know, Brendan Rodgers has always had good attacking teams wherever he's been. It's always been the defense that's been the problem. Soyuncu, you know, taking a step forward. I think I think that that back line is going to be really good. And by the way, they still have Pereira down on the on the right flank, a really good attacking wing back, uh, rather attacking right back. So I I still really like the Leicester's options. I still like Casper Schmeichel in the net for them. Their goalkeeper, arguably one of the best in the entire league. So I think seventh is a fair assessment for Leicester. I think they'll be right there on the doorstep of Europa League. Again, again, it's a slight drop-off from where they finished, which was fifth a season ago, just missing out on the Champions League. But I think that that, for me, is taking into, into account what some of the other teams have done and the loss of Ben Chilwell. So I think Leicester City for seventh, for me, is probably about right. Sixth for me, um, another team that they could slide. I, I, I think that them winning the FA Cup was a mirage. Um, I think they just happened to, you know, play their only two games of the year when they were playing the Manchester sides. Or no, sorry, it was um, City then then Chelsea, I think. But I Arsenal has not done enough to get better. Um, and I think, I mean, when when your best signing was a not just over the hill, but over the hill in front of the aforementioned Hill, William, I don't think that you're doing much. I know they bring in, brought in Gabriel from Lille. Um, that doesn't solve a problem. Um, I, I think that Arteta is the manager that Emery wasn't positively, but I do think they're probably a couple ways, a couple years away from getting into the top four. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I got for Arsenal. I, I just I think that Aubameyang is all they've got, and I think eventually he'll just get so sick of being all they've got, and that will flood over. So I didn't think about a lot of that when I made this pick, to be honest, Sam. But I think you're right. Like I think the, I think the end of last season for Arsenal was a bit of fool's gold. They haven't addressed a lot of the options. Sam, the reason I'm saying that is because I also have Arsenal sixth. So, <laughs> third one already. Oh, so, I put nothing, Sean. I'm not just saying this because they beat Liverpool. I, beat, I put nothing in defeating Liverpool in a community shield in PKs. 
Well, that's the thing, right? If they'd won in 90 minutes, maybe it's a different story. But it was a draw. They go to PKs. Arsenal saved a penalty, and they win. And also, it's a friendly. So yeah. that, that's, that's the other part of it. That, that's the hard truth about the community shield. So um, to be fair, they played well in that game for the most part. But like you said, this is not the way Arsenal want to play. This is the way they have to play under Arteta because they don't have a good back line. And this is how they're solving it right now. To be fair to Arteta... They've won two trophies because of it. Again, a community shield's a friendly, but you get a trophy. So they've won an FA Cup. They've won a community shield. It's a great thing for the club. However, for over a 38-game season, I don't see this working <laughs> to the point where they get top four. And that's why I've got them at sixth. I, I think I've, had so, I've seen some people, Sam, have them as high as four. I think it's a very ambitious pick. I've seen some have them as low as nine again, which is where they finished last season. I think that's harsh. Six is about right for Arsenal. Again, Aubameyang is going to be there for this season, which is a big deal. He hasn't signed that new contract yet, so that's going to worry some Gunner fans. Nor for him, nor should he. I, I agree. <laughs> so, again, uh, worth noting Lacazette and Pepe having another year under their belts. However, I don't, I don't think Pepe is what they thought they were going to get. I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. And I Sam think Lac Lacazette can't carry the middle by himself. And that's the thing. Lacazette is arguably not needed at Arsenal. So it's one of those things well, where... He's not needed. If he was like a super striker or even someone like Coutinho, like a little bit more of a facilitator, that would be one thing. But he can't be what they, they need him to be. So he kind of is just like, why is he there? Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I, I, I think that Lacazette's inconsistency also is a red flag for me. So listen, by the way, they got Danny Ceballos back on loan from Real Madrid. That's a big deal. I think he was pretty important at times for Arsenal last year, especially when they were going through some really tough times under Unai Emery. Sometimes he was their only good player. One big thing, Sam, that gets lost in the Arsenal shuffle, lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. It's something that Arteta has not figured out consistently yet with this team. It's flared up a lot and it's, in it's, the league. I'm not making it his problem yet, but if he doesn't fix it, then it's his problem. It, it, it is. It's getting to the point, Sam, where if it goes on much longer, you have to look at the manager. So... I worry about Guendouzi in that respect. I worry about David Luiz in that respect, although he's played better of late uh, towards the end of last season. And then the beginning of this year in the community shield, he had a solid game for the most part against Liverpool. So you give him the credit for that. Six is fair. I think six is the fair spot for Arsenal. Not much wiggle room there. I think either way, to be honest with you, but I think it's a good, it's a, to be honest with you, Sam, you know, what's going to be the, the story is going to be, another good season for Arteta building forward. So I think that Arsenal fans will be happy with that. They're not going to be over the moon. They want top four. They want Champions League. Those mm -hmm. fans feel they deserve Champions League, whether they like it or not. They're, they're not going to get it this year, but they, that's what the expectation at Arsenal is to get back to the Champions League. It won't happen this year, but I think they'll take a spot. They'll, they'll, they'll be a more respectable place in the table this time around. And I think sixth is probably about where they're going to be. My fifth is I'm just I'm trying to be conservative, and and I really think, and this has been the case the last 
two to three years, really outside of Lester poking through, is third through fifth could be either of those teams. So I'll say in the spot, well, I have Tottenham at fifth. The reason why I have Tottenham at fifth is because I'd rather be wrong negatively than overshoot it. I think Tottenham easily, I, 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 their top is three. Just like I think the bottom for the other two teams this category is five. I think that Tottenham so far has made all the right moves. You have alluded to, and I showed a lot of giddiness when you mentioned it. I think the guys they have gotten, Matt Doherty, is that how we're going with it? I want to make sure I get the Irish pizzazz right. Matt Doherty and Hoiberg, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, I read him saying it is Pierre socially, is Pierre-Emile professionally. Those are two moves that Spurs needed. I think that it's really, it's right where they need to be for Mourinho taking it to where Mourinho wants to take it. I think that what gets lost on everyone is that Spurs were fourth from the time Mourinho took over to the end of the season. And there were a lot of injuries. Kane barely played for most of Mourinho's time. They were battling in Champions League. There was obviously the coronavirus and restart. I think that if Spurs could be fourth from late November to the end of the year, when everything was still getting figured out, and for a chunk of it, both Kane and Son were not healthy, then I don't really know why even if I'm trying to temper my expectations, we'd be less than fifth. The reason why I'm being conservative on the fifth, because I think that Chelsea has done everything right. And I'd rather say, haha, United was worse than I thought. So Spurs so, my fifth. I'm looking to see where you're at. For fifth, I have a little bit of a controversial one here, Sam. I have to say. Mm-hmm. Fifth for me, I have Manchester United. I'm, I'm curious to see why you think that's controversial. Like um, I said, anywhere from my three to five could fill any of those spots. Because to be honest with you, Sam, I've seen Man United mostly in previews at third or fourth. I have them fifth for two reasons, uh, two big reasons. Number one, uh, they still, for God's sake, man, have not addressed that back line. Mm-hmm. And now that Harry Maguire is... Uh, now getting in trouble off the field, I worry about where he's at mentally, but I also worry about the fact that the depth at the back line, it's non-existent. It's really not a good sign for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's future that they've not invested in the back line. Now they're linked to Khalidou Koulibaly, so are Manchester City. I don't know if either one of them are going to get him. If they do, this changes things. But for right now, Sam, I've got United in fifth place, I, I listen, Fernandez, Donny Vandebeek, and Paul Pogba for potentially in the midfield is scary. It's a really good midfield. The attack is strong with Martial, with Rashford, and with Greenwood, but I have two little problems there as well. I don't know if Greenwood's gonna do what he did again this season. I think he was a bit of a flash in the pan. He's a young guy. People are going to figure him out. I, I don't think he's going to be waltzing through scoring goals like he did last season. I think he's going to have a little bit of a tougher time of it. And by the way, Sam, this is the big one. Marcus Rashford is still a very injury-prone player. 
they really struggled when he went out last season. So, listen, Bruno Fernandez for a full season is a, is a big deal. Martial's a great player. Pogba's a good player. Uh, really, a great, can be a great player, obviously, when he's, when he's there mentally. Donny van de Beek is a good signing. I think it's a nice addition, but they still have not addressed the back line. By the way, if David De Gea wins the starting job, he hasn't exactly been sure and steady for Man United over the last couple of years. That's another big deal if they don't transition to Dean Henderson. So there's a lot of holes you could poke in this Manchester United team. I just look at what some of the other teams have done. I got Man United in fifth. I, I mean, it, it was it was them and Tottenham flip flopping between fourth and fifth for me. I everything you said, I'm spot on. I um, continue to feel less and less like Solskjaer. I mean, I there's never been a point where I think Manchester United should have fired him, but I also don't think there's a point where I've ever been more convinced that he was the fit. I don't think he's going to last the year. I think that they, uh, of the teams in the top five, I think Manchester United has the best chance of bombing and finishing eighth. Um, but they also had times last year where they easily could have snuck into the top two, not points wise, but on, on, on results and how they've looked. Um, I, there's, there's so many question marks with them that could work or not. Could De Gea be playing like De Gea? You know, probably not, but it may not be as bad as it's been. Could um, Pogba, you know, it click? Yeah, I mean, that, that's likely. Like you said, Greenwood, who knows what you're getting. There's so many things that could work, but too many of those things are still big questions. And that's how I've looked at United the past few years. I think they overachieved to get where they were last year. I think they ended up where they should have been the year before. So, I, I mean, I'm putting them at four. They're anywhere, in my opinion, between three and six. I, I think that's fair. And one last thing, because you have, you have Man United fourth, correct? Yes. One last quick thing, and you mentioned it. I want to just double down on what you said. If Manchester United go through a similar stretch that they did earlier in the season. Oh, he's long gone. He's long he's gone. gone. And that's a, that's something that is no, not it won't good. Get to that stretch. I don't see a chance it gets to that stretch. It, it's it's one of those things Sam where that's a big deal. And I really I worry about where this team is at with the back and and I think that if they don't Finish in the top four, certainly Solskjaer will be fired. However, it could be a thing where we're at Christmas time, United are sixth or seventh, and they think about getting rid of the manager. And Sam, that's the last that's the worst I, case I'm scenario. I'm not sure if it's December. I don't think it gets to December. He gets to December if the team is sixth or seventh. That's a good point. It could be even a quicker trigger. And that's not a good place to be if you're Manchester United. Considering the fact that, by the way, there's not a ton of options out there at the moment for managers. And I have to say, I don't think Mauricio Pochettino is coming in mid-season to help out Manchester United. I just don't see that happening. If it does, be great for the club. I just don't think that he'd be willing to do that, especially if it's that early in the season. 
And also, by the way, why'd you spend all this money for, for Solskjaer if you're going to fire him early anyway? It's just one of those things that United are, have put themselves in a tough position because they haven't addressed the back line. They don't know what they're going to do with goalkeeper. And they've got a lot of injury-prone guys. And Sam, that leads me to the last big red flag for Manchester United. They don't have depth. They just don't have it. And getting Donny van de Beek to put uh, someone like a Fred on the bench is not exactly depth. <laughs> so yeah. I, it's going to be a bit of a problem for them to deal with. Listen, I still think they're going to be challenging for top four. It's a talented team. No question about it. But this is a team that could, I, again, we both have them taking a slight step back as far as place. But it's also one of those things where a European run or another cup run could make up for that, depending on how United are doing at certain points of the season. But again, this could easily blow up in Man United's face too if they get off to a slow start or if they have a tough festive period as well. That's another thing to keep in mind because the festive period can really grind you up and spit you out. Sam, for fourth, I think you're going to like where I go here because I've got a big problem with the team I'm about to name. I have Chelsea finishing in fourth place. And it's really for one reason. Listen, they signed Timo Werner. They've now gotten the Kai Havertz deal over the line. They've signed Ben Chilwell. They've signed Hakim Ziyech from Ajax. Mm -hmm. All great signings. But where are they going to play? Oh my goodness. It's almost as if they signed too many players, Sam, in the attack. What about Tammy Abraham? What about Christian Pulisic? What about Callum Hudson-Odoi? What about Mason Mount? Now, you could say, well, now Chelsea have all this depth. Yeah, they do. But it's a lot of depth that is, is injury-prone. Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Christian Pulisic, and Callum Hudson-Odoi are all injury-prone players. And most of those guys you're talking about are all like 22 years old and younger. It's not, I mean, so it, you're making the great points. That's the first red flag for Chelsea. The second is there's a rumor out there that they're going to sell N'Golo Conte. Are you kidding me? If they do that, Sam, they're in big trouble because they have no defensive midfielders of any worth other than N'Golo Conte. So if you sell him, you are really, really going to outscore everybody to get anywhere this season. And that's not a good place for Chelsea to be. That's not a place that Chelsea has ever been before when they've been good. So that's a big worry. And Sam, on top of that, yes, they bought all these great attacking players. They did nothing for that back line, which is by far the, bit, the weakest point on Chelsea's team. Now listen, they get Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell is an attacking fullback who's not the best defender. So you could argue they weakened their defense by getting Ben Chilwell. They strengthened their attack, but they've weakened their defense. They have not done anything to address the center backs. And Sam, I thought they'd at least buy a new goalkeeper. They haven't even done that. So as great as this, as this has been for their transfer window, they've done so well, I guess, getting these attacking players in. They've just totally switched the scales of their team to all-out attack and, all right, in the, in, in the defense, 
that to me, again, people are saying, well, are Chelsea going to challenge for the title? They certainly can with their attacking play, but you got to defend to challenge for a title. And Chelsea have not addressed any of those problems. That being said, I think fourth is fair. They could get to third. I think they could easily get to third. But if, until they address the back line, they're not going to crack the top two. It doesn't matter how many players they bring in in the attack. It's not good enough when, you, when Antonio Rudiger is your best center back. That's not a good look for Chelsea. And it's another situation, Sam, where this is not going to be a, well, fourth's good enough for Frank Lampard. They had their transfer window. They have they spent basically two transfer windows worth of money in one transfer window because they had the transfer ban. But they spent it all on attacking players that you could argue they didn't need all of those guys. So, I, again, Timo Werner is an upgrade. I, I can't argue with that. You could argue Kai Havertz is an upgrade as well over what they had because he can play centrally in the midfield as well. As an attacking midfielder, by the way, not a great defensive player. So, and again, this is a guy that played center forward for a lot of his time at Bayer Leverkusen. So, this is, it's, it's, Sam, I just kept scratching my head every time I heard a new deal being inked for Chelsea because I was just like, okay, you've already got guys that can do this stuff. What about the back line? What about the midfield? What about the goalkeeper? And they didn't address any of the actual problems that Chelsea have. So I think fourth is more than fair. And honestly, if things blow up in the face of Frank Lampard, he might be on the hot seat by the time we're opening up Christmas presents. So, well, I agree with everything you said. I have them at third, um, mostly because I, I don't see Manchester United being better than them. And I am, and I am being very conservative about Tottenham, just so, again, I'm not negatively wrong. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that only so much attention should be given to who they've got because I completely also agree with the fact that it's like, how are they going to fit? I think it's much better to have Werner and Havertz and along with, you know, everyone else they have and not know where to play them than to not have them at all. However, if they're not all playing why does it matter that you got them? That's part of it. I also think that they haven't created, um, they haven't filled their gaps as much. That's certainly true. I, I think that with, with Chelsea, I think they have the lowest floor out of United and Tottenham. That's more the reason why I had them at three more than their ceiling. Um, I, I think a lot could go wrong. I think the difference between Lampard and Solskjaer is the amount of chances and excuses that have already been given to Solskjaer that I think except, like, maybe at the end of the year is one thing, but I don't think Frank Lampard will get sacked if the team is fifth and not third until maybe the end of the year. I think if it's Christmas and the team is 10th, well, any manager of a top six side will get fired in that scenario. However, I think that he hasn't yet gotten the get out of jail free cards that Solskjaer has gotten. 
and because he's gotten everything he wants, so there's no excuses. But because he's gotten everything he wants, let him manage out of it. Give him a year. Now, again, like I said, if they're fifth at the end of the year, then maybe he'll be fired, and I won't have as much of an issue. Um, I agree. His signings are not getting him to second. They very well could not get him above fifth. I think, if anything, what this has over um, United, Arsenal, and to a lesser extent Tottenham, is these moves, unless hell breaks loose, have prevented them from going to eighth. And not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying that's what I meant by they have the lowest floor, and that's why they ha- I have them at third. So I have uh, I have your beloved Tottenham Hotspur in third place. I will place. take it. That's where I had them last year, and I was wrong. I had them at third last year as well. Um, and Sam, I think a full year under Mourinho, we're going to see the best out of this team. I think adding Matt Doherty and Pierre-Emil Hoybier is a big deal. I think both are perfect signings for what Tottenham want to do under Jose Mourinho. They're both Mourinho-type players. I think specifically Pierre-Emil Hoybier is a really good addition for Tottenham. When I first saw that, I was like, wow. I did not expect that, but it, he fits like a glove. He really could be a big, big signing for Tottenham this season, Sam. I think it's a big deal that they brought him in. I think Matt Doherty brings a really nice addition to the back line as a defender, but also can attack, obviously, going forward from the right-back position. So I really think that that's a really nice addition as well for Jose Mourinho. Big thing for me, Sam, and and you know this more than I do, can Tottenham stay healthy? I think that's going to be the make-or-break thing for Tottenham, either finishing third or potentially finishing fifth. I, I think that's probably what makes or breaks them. You know, can Harry Kane play 34, 35 games of the 38? Can Hyunmin Sung play 35, 36 games? Can Deli Alley play all the games this year? You know, those are the guys I worry about. However, Sam, I think they're the most complete team of the three, Chelsea, Man United, and Tottenham. I think they're the most complete team out there of those three. They have the most continuity. I'd argue they have just as much talent as the other two, but people are giving United and Chelsea the credit for spending now. Tottenham did what I think teams should do when you're at that level. Fill the holes. Fill the gaps. You know, Tottenham has had a huge hole in midfield since Christian Eriksen stopped wanting to play for Tottenham Hotspur. I think Pierre-Emil Hoybier just filled that hole. Mm -hmm. And I think Matt Dockett, he's a fantastic addition. So I think Tottenham at third is definitely not too far off. And I think bare minimum, to be honest with you, Sam, I, I, I'm, you might not like to hear this. I almost have them as a lock for the top four. Hey, I really I, do. I like to hear this because I always defer these things to you and everything you told me makes sense. Because I think, I think one of Chelsea or Man United are not going to make the top four. I think Tottenham are really going to get off and running. Because Sam, for me, Jose Mourinho is not going to get too many chances at this. He's going to get this year and I think probably next year. And then the, the Sharks are going to start swimming around. And those Sharks are named Daniel Levy. So it's going to be one of those things where Tottenham are going to get a couple of years here where Mourinho has his footprints on this team. And they're going to need to not only finish in the top four, but Sam, they're going to have to win something. They're going to have to, going to, have to bring some silverware and end the long drought 
for Tottenham since 2008 to win a trophy. I think Mourinho could do that this year. I think he could check off both boxes, to be honest with you. We'll see if he does, but I think he'll certainly check off the Champions League box and get them into the top four. I have Tottenham finishing in third place. Well, I like that. Um, I wish I followed up such a nice, you know, description of your expectations for my team than my expectations for yours. Honestly, this was roll the dice. I will preface this by saying I do not think City are better than Liverpool. I don't. I also think, though, that Liverpool at times at the end of last year, which I'm not putting too much stock in, played like, you know what? They didn't really care. Now, I think to an extent, after they had won the title, there was no reason to care. They're already out of the Champions League. So I, I'm trying to take that with a grain of salt. If anything, it's really part of the reason why I had Liverpool over City in my predictions last year was because I just didn't think City was going to repeat. Now it's really, Sean, I'll say straight up, I think Liverpool's done everything right. They haven't brought in a lot. They haven't had to. They haven't sold anything they shouldn't. I think everything is there for a repeat. Do I think they'll threaten 100 points again? You know, expectations of anyone threatening 100 points, as you know, because of how close you guys got, the margin of error is so small. I think Liverpool and City are one to another direction. I'm just calling Liverpool two because that's basically, you know, I didn't flip a coin, but I didn't do much differently. So, Sam, uh, I think you're spot on. It's going to be a two-horse race again this season in the Premier League. It's going to be the two at the top that we normally expect. I'm going to back my boys. I think Manchester City will finish second. Um, and I, I think the number one thing for me, Sam, is, and I said this, I think, before we came on, for me, if if your big signing to shore up the back line is Nathan Ake, yeah. that's not good enough. And listen, they're in on Khalidu Koulibaly. If they get Khalidu Koulibaly to sign, that changes things, and I'm fully aware of that. But at the time of this recording, they have not signed him, and they're not really close to signing him. So... Until that happens, I think City are still second best in the Premier League. Listen, they arguably have a better attack than almost anybody in Europe. However, we've seen how badly their their defense has hurt them. Sam, big thing to keep in mind as well, Fernandinho is, is getting up there, man. He is not as big of an impact player as he's been in the past. Adding in Torres is a solid addition, I think, for, for Manchester City. But I worry about the back line. Kevin De Bruyne is arguably the best player in the league. You can make an argument he's one of the best players on the planet. So I, he'll, he'll lead the midfield, but, you know, and, and that's the other thing, right? City's depth, as good as any in the world. But we saw last year how bad that back line could hurt Manchester City. And by the way, they were inconsistent at times, attacking at times during the season. Now, listen, after the restart, they didn't lose. They were fantastic. Actually, I'm sorry, they did lose to, uh, pardon me, Southampton. But other than that, they rolled through everybody. Now, the Leon game in the Champions League was also a big, big red flag. Because now, you've got Pep Guardiola almost overthinking it with the back line. And bringing in Nathan Ake, I think, is going to make that even worse. Because he's, not, he's never played in Europe. So, it's it's... I, I worry about Manchester City's backline a lot, Sam, and if they don't address it, I can't put them higher than Liverpool. I just can't do it. And listen, two years ago, 
I was fully, you know, I, I, I had City over Liverpool, and, and it was tight. It came down to the wire, and City's back line with Vincent Company got them over the line. But the reason Liverpool overtook them this past year was because Company left, and to be honest, I think Company state, would have stayed. I think Liverpool still win the title. It just would have been a lot closer of a margin than the 19 points that Liverpool won the title by this, this past year. But the fact that they still haven't addressed that hole with all the money they've spent on center backs, they've still not addressed it. And Sam, the fact that they've had to rely on Nicolas Otamendi, at times John Stones, Imeric Laporte's a great defender, but he's been inconsistent, especially since the injury, since coming back from his long-term injury. I, I just don't think City have enough at the back to win the title. I think it's going to be a lot closer than it was last year, 100%. Now, to be fair, you know, if City don't address things, it's going to be tough for them. I, I really believe that. They cannot, they've shown, they, it showed last season, you can't outscore people and win a title. You've got to be able to defend. They didn't get it done. So I, I think you look at where Manchester City are at at the moment. I think second is more than fair because, to be honest with you, Sam, I think they're miles ahead of Tottenham still. I think they're miles ahead of Chelsea, despite all the signings Chelsea brought in. And Sam, I think United, despite bringing in a few signings as well, are still well behind Manchester City and Liverpool. But I think City, I, I think City might close the gap. I don't think they'll win it. So I think Manchester City will finish second place this season. So yeah, I as I already alluded to, I I, I do have City first. Um, I honestly. If I really had to go with my gut, maybe I wouldn't, um, especially the thing that can't be discounted with City. And this has been the case, I guess, not as much in their big 100-point year, but in, in the last two years, they lose games that they shouldn't lose. Now, it, for the most part, it doesn't always hurt them, but like they'll lose to a Newcastle. They'll lose to us. Now, I will say that's a game they should lose, but, you know, I'm biased. The outside of that aforementioned kind of slip where Liverpool just, you know, they had won, they had whatever. Liverpool doesn't really lose. I mean, now, granted, they tied a whole bunch in 2018, 2019. But the difference between City is City may. I'm trying to take last year out of it because of how totally dominant dominating Liverpool was city may have a ceiling where they can just smoke teams week after week for nothing. But again, then they'll slip up to Newcastle. When you're neck and neck with a two teams that are guaranteed 90 plus points, you can't afford that. So yeah, I I'm going city Liverpool just for the sake of, you know, finishing my ballot. Cause I do think that, City has a great chance of winning the title again. However, while I don't think they'll slip enough for third, I also could see Liverpool winning the table by 20 points. It is kind of what it is. I know I'm kind of kicking a cop out. I will memorialize the fact, because I know last year I made a typo. I remember on the show we talked about how I thought that Liverpool was going to win, and then we looked up my um, – my guesses and I must have written city and you bailed me out by saying, I remember you did say Liverpool this year. I'll memorialize it. It is city. I will admit I'm wrong. I think there's a good chance I will be wrong, but you know what? 
the bracket's not always right. So I'm going to back Liverpool to win the title again. And I have a couple reasons. One, Sam, a lot of people are, are putting their their stock on City based on the fact that Liverpool slowed down at the end of last season. And, and I think that it's not just for the fact that they won the title and, you know, it was in the bag and stuff like that. And they were celebrating and, you know, uh, on the piss, as they say, in, in overseas and stuff like that. Liverpool were 4-1-1 one, and one in their six games after winning the title. Actually, I think they were 5-1-1, one, and one, if memory serves. Actually, sorry, they were 4-1-2, and two, or 4-2-1. Four, four wins, two losses, one draw. So, to be fair, two of those losses that Liverpool had last season came during the end of the season, but they still put together some good performances. They beat Chelsea, they won at Newcastle, they beat Villa, again, was in a relegation fight, needed the points, and things of that nature. And they beat Brighton, who were still in a relegation fight and were playing better at the end of the season. Not putting a ton of stock into those wins. I'm just saying it's not like Liverpool lost four of their last six. They did win four yeah. of the games yeah. and and put together some good performances despite the fact that they legitimately had nothing to play for. With that being said, um, I think Liverpool fans in general have been disappointed with the transfer window. Uh, I think many wanted the Thiago Alcantara signing from Bayern Munich to happen. It's still a possibility. Um, that may or may not coincide with Jeannie Wijnaldum leaving. I think Liverpool will keep Jeannie Wijnaldum, whether he signs a new contract or not. I think he will play out his last season with uh, of the contract with Liverpool and then reassess when the season's over, which is a big deal. Jeannie Wijnaldum is a big piece to Liverpool's success. One of the other things to keep in mind as well, Liverpool lost Jordan Henderson for the last few games of the season and so far, I've not had Trent Alexander-Arnold in the early parts of the preseason. So people are basing it off of Liverpool's preseason results. They haven't had Henderson, Matip, or Trent Alexander-Arnold, three of their most important players available. So I think that you've, you've got to keep that in mind. They're going to be healthy. They're all going to be ready for the first game of the season at home to lead. So Liverpool are going to be ready to go when the season gets started. And that to me means they're going to be ready to, as Jurgen Klopp says, attack the next title, not worry about defending last season's title. They're going to keep that cup. It's about attacking this season's title and winning this year's Premier League and, and hopefully more than that. So I, I look at Liverpool. I think they're going to be ready to roll. I think they want to make more history. I think they want to win more trophies. I think the motivation is going to be there. The one thing I worry about a little bit is the depth up front. I think, I think assigning a striker could have been helpful there. It wasn't vital. I think people don't give Divock Origi enough credit. I think people need to, to also consider that there's going to be some young players that Liverpool are going to be able to bring in uh, that have been incorporated further into the squad that can help the depth. Curtis Jones is certainly going to be one of those players. Harry Wilson could be one of those players as well. doesn't look like he's going to be going out on loan. And Nico Williams is expected to be Trent Alexander-Arnold's now full-time uh, backup at right back. So that's going to be a big deal for Liverpool. And, and by the way, he just scored a winner for Wales in the Nations League in his second-ever appearance for his country. So he's coming along really nicely. And Sam, one last note, they did make a signing in Costa Simicas from Olympiacos to be the backup left back 
for Andy Robertson. That's big for two reasons. Number one, they needed to get some backup for Andy Robertson. They were going to go after Jamal Lewis. They went after Kosa Simikas instead for a much lower price. They got him. I think it's a good signing. I think it's a signing for a position, a backup position of need. I'm not sure it's going to impact the title race a ton, but it could give Andy Robertson an opportunity for a breather in some cup competitions. And Sam obviously maybe make him more fresh for the Champions League. So for Liverpool's full campaign, it's a good signing. Now, one thing I do want to mention that you might like here, it's actually good for the midfield that they signed Simikas as well. Now, why would I say that? James Milner has normally been the makeshift backup left back for Andy Robertson. He now fully slots into the midfield as part of that midfield depth. That's a big deal, Sam. And and for one, because Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is going to be hurt at the start of the season. So James Milner being there to help him out and then fill his shoes is a big deal. But also, Sam, on top of that, you can really now shuffle James Milner out throughout all the competitions to really help give the other players like Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, and Naby Keita fresher legs for the big games. And well, Sam, by the way, it's an upgrade over every position. He's, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's right. So Sam, one there last thing. positions. There are just James Milner's. That's right. <laughs> so, so one last thing I want to mention, Sam, I think this is going to be a big season for Nabi Keita. I think we're going to really see Nabi Keita become a huge part of this Liverpool team. We saw the signs of it at the end of last season in the games after the restart. He was phenomenal, cutting open Chelsea on a number of occasions in the game that Liverpool uh, would win and then lift the title at Anfield. He was really good against Newcastle, shown up, showed up big time against Brighton as well. And honestly, Sam, at times when we lost 4-0 to City the, the week after we clinched the title, was arguably our best player. So it, it, I would say that He's somebody to watch for Liverpool this season. For him, the big thing is to stay healthy. I think he will. We've seen that he's gotten a little bit stronger from this year to last year. I think Naby Keita could be a really big part of Liverpool's title attack this season. And that's why I picked Liverpool first. And I think they're going to win the title for a second season running. So let's, let's do a quick run. You have yours written down, right? I do, yes. I will say just quickly to wrap up from 20 on to first, in order, my three relegated from bottom to top Brighton, Aston Villa, West Brom, Fulham, barely safe, Crystal Palace at 16, then Newcastle, Sheffield United, and Leeds with West Ham at 12, Burnley at 11, Everton, the top half at 10, then Leicester at 9, Wolves at 8. My big risk, if the Cups are won by teams ahead of them. Southampton will get that final Europa spot. Then Arsenal at six, Tottenham at fifth. Hope I'm wrong there in the top four. Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and I have City. I hope I'm wrong. You know I don't like City. I have City winning the title. Sam, for me, I have Fulham bringing up the rear in 20th, West Brom in 19th, Aston Villa in 18th, just missing relegation, I have Newcastle United. Then Leeds United, West Ham United, Crystal Palace, then in 14th. Brighton, 13th. Southampton, I have at 12th, so quite a few spots lower 
than where you have them. We both have Burnley at 11th. I have Sheffield United up in 10th. Everton 9th. Wolves 8th. Leicester 7th. Arsenal 6th. Manchester United 5th. Just missing out on the Champions League. Chelsea 4th. Tottenham 3rd. Manchester City 2nd. And I have Liverpool attacking another title and winning their second Premier League title in a row. It is time, isn't it, Sean, for the most intense, at least that's what I'm saying now, (laughs) the trickiest to someone like me who doesn't know that much, (laughs) and the most entertaining to at least us who continue to entertain ourselves with these questions. It is the best soccer quiz show there is. Sean, why don't you go first? Sam, thank you very much. Um, Listen, we're going to three questions this week, and it's because we really, really wanted to make sure these were good ones this week. We wanted to meet, you know, quality over quantity, I think was our rule of thumb this week for the quiz question. Sam Minor, Lionel Messi related. We have not done a Lionel Messi quiz yet. I think it's about time we did, since he's still in Barcelona colors. Here's where I'll start. Sam, Lionel Messi has played for Barcelona in La Liga since he was 17 years old. 2004 to 2005 was his first season for Barcelona as a player that played for the first team. Because, again, he came up through the academy. Yeah. Since then, through 2019-2020, how many times has Lionel Messi lifted the La Liga title? Six. A little higher. Eight. A little higher. Ten. Ten is the correct answer. Really? Ten La Liga titles they won three in a row by the way during that crazy run where they seemingly won everything under Pep Guardiola between 2008 and 2011 mine are Premier League related um okay. some of them are you know if if things were to happen last year um Leicester broke the top six didn't quite get Champions League other than Leicester because of course they won the title in 15-16 who was the last non-top six club? No traditional top six clubs. The two Manchester teams, Liverpool. Then the three London teams, Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Who was the last non-six club other than that Leicester um, to qualify for Champions League? Can you, maybe, can you remember the year if you can remember the side? Oh, This is a tough one. Um, mm. This one, this one I'm going to get frustrated about. I can already tell because I honestly don't remember. Um, Top four. I mean, I the, the team I have in my head, it feels too far back for this to be the right answer. Um, because this is, we're talking like, 
I will say it was this millennium. Well, then, then my answer is in play, I think. Or maybe not. Actually, maybe not. Well, I mean, I was trying to help you saying, no, it wasn't Blackburn. <laughs> well, I know it's not Blackburn. I know that. <laughs> 94, 95, when they won the title uh, under Kenny Dalglish. Um, oh, boy. I, I'm purely saying this guess, Sam, because literally it's the only other team I can think of. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Newcastle United. And it was an Alan Shearer team, I believe. And I, I don't know the year. It must have been the early 2000s. Alan Shearer scored 17 goals in the league, 25 overall. And Newcastle finished third in 2002-2003. Oh, it's right? It's right, yeah. Let's go. Oh, I'm so happy with that. Oh, my gosh. Well, how much of a guess was that? Honestly, Sam, it was the only team besides the Blackburn team I could think of. Okay. So I kind of was the only one I had. It completely still counts. I'll take it. I will take it. Okay, Sam, we're back on the Lionel Messi trail here. Lionel Messi played 70 minutes in his first full season with Barcelona. Didn't play a whole lot. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't play a whole lot until his third year with the Barcelona first team. That was the first year he played over a thousand minutes in his season. He was 19 years old. Sam, the question is how many goals did he score in his first really full season as a big part of the Barcelona team? Eight. A little higher. It's a, it's not a bad guess, but uh, we're looking, looking for higher than that. Higher than that as well. 15. You're, you're so close. 14, 16, 13, 12. 14 is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was that much, but I, because I, I, I knew it took a couple of years for him to really be utilized. Yes, yes. 14 goals. Um, okay, my question is... Who was the last, who slash when, if you can remember, was the last Premier League club not from Manchester to repeat as Premier League champions? This is probably easy for you. Oh. Repeat. So not counting Manchester United in 16, 17, 17, or 17, 18, and 18, 19, and not counting... Manchester United's runs or City and United. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um I mean one team comes to mind. I just don't know the years. Um Actually no two come to mind now. And actually now that I think about it, two come to mind. Because the, my first thought was was Chelsea, but I don't know if they actually repeated under Jose Mourinho. And the other obvious the other obvious choice would be Arsene Wenger's Arsenal, who I think I, I believe repeated for Premier League titles at some point during his reign. I'm pretty sure they won back to back 
Premier League titles. You know what? I'm going to go with Arsenal. Just wrong. It's Chelsea. But not in not the era you were thinking of. Oh. Chelsea won back-to-back, and I'm looking up the exact details for context. Oh, four, oh, five, and oh, five, oh, six. Yeah, that's that. That was the year I was thinking of, to be fair. But M- Mourinho was later, wasn't he? No, Mourinho. Mourinho won the title in oh, four, oh, five for Chelsea. Oh, oh, you're right. Sorry, I was thinking of his second round. Uh, then, then yes, you were right. It was oh, four, oh, five. So but, yeah, I guess I thought about team, not with their names starting from Manchester. Yeah, I thought about like oh, six, oh, seven, but I, I know that. You know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of that Arsenal team that went to the Champions League final. And yeah, I thought maybe they had yeah. won the league that year, but I, I, obviously they didn't win it back-to-back during any of those stretches. So fair play. Fair play to the – that was a good Chelsea team, to be fair, in 2004-2005 uh, specifically. Okay, your final one. Final messy question, Sam. This is probably the toughest of all, although you're probably going to get it relatively. Well, I think I'm close on the other two, so who knows? Lionel Messi has won 10 La Liga titles, as we've already established. What is the lowest finish for a Barcelona team that has had Lionel Messi in it? Does that count, like, Lionel Messi significant or those early years? From 04 till now, when he's been on the team, the lowest finish in La Liga. Fifth. You're close. Third. Third is the correct. You no, know, third was going to be my guess because I, I remember looking up that he has always played Champions League, but I thought maybe I was missing one, so I picked fifth. They I would have gotten runners that up, way. Sam, four times, ten times winners, and once in this stretch under Lionel Messi or with Lionel Messi, oh seven oh eight, believe it or not, they finished in third place. And Lionel Messi scored 10 goals and, and had 12 assists that season. That was, his, that was probably his first uh, breakout year for assists. And he was great that year. He played almost all, uh, I'd say most of the league games. But Barcelona finished third place in La Liga. Let me just pull up the table, if I can, real quick, um, to tell you who finished above them. Uh, Villarreal, believe it or not, finished in second that season. They were 10 points ahead of Barcelona. And Real Madrid, as you might expect, won the title. They were on 85 points. They were all they were 18 clear of Barcelona, 8 clear of Villarreal. Uh, Barcelona's leading scorer that year was Samuel Eto'o. Long time since he's been big at Barcelona. He had 16 goals. Lionel Messi that year scored 10. So my question to you, and this may be a little too hard and too vague. So a couple years ago, the three promoted teams did not get demoted. That's, I think, happened three times. Only once have the three promoted teams all gone straight down. This may be too hard to name the year. If you can, that's very impressive. Can you name any of those three teams, let alone all three? The last time that all three went back down? I will say this. You know what? I'll cut off. It was in 97-98. 
was the only time in the Premier League era that three teams went up and went and all three went straight back down. Oh boy. Um this is going to be tough. Um the year helps a little bit. Um because there's a few more teams in play. However, <laughs> I doubt I'm going to get are any. not in the Premier League. Two are not in the Premier League, you said? Currently, yes. Okay. That helps a little bit. That helps a little bit. Um, so that means one still is. Or one, one's back up. Okay. 97-98. Oh, man. Uh, Fulham? No. Not Fulham. Not West Brom? Probably. Was it West Brom? No. Not West Brom. Okay. Now it gets, yeah, this is going to be tricky. Um, cause now I've got, now I've got a couple of teams that I don't even think are in the championship in my head. Um, one is not in the championship. One is. One is not. One is. Yeah. I Sam. I don't know why this team's in my head, but I can't get them out of my head. I'm gonna guess Ipswich Town. No. Okay. Put it back in your head. Yeah, I'm getting that. Getting that out of here. Um. Oh boy. Uh. Hmm. I'm trying to just get now I'm gonna just try to get the Premier League team that's currently in the Premier League because this is tough. And it could be a number of teams here. Uh man. What about hmm. What about Wolves? No. Not Wolves. Lester? When should I start narrowing it down? Yeah, I I'm I'm starting to lose hope here. Um this team sorry, I, I will let me look at one other thing. Um I actually forget if you Sheffield United? No. Damn it. Oh um, all right. Now I'm out. I'm out. I don't know. Okay. Gotta give you some help here. So I, uh, yeah, no, I'm thinking. Um, I, I forget where you had this team. <laughs> Darn it! Uh, <laughs> could you read your last five teams to me really quick? Uh, Fulham, West Brom, uh, Aston Villa, um, Newcastle, and Leeds United. Okay, your team is not one of those teams. But it's also not an upper half team. Southampton? No. Oh, I'm just guessing now. Should uh, I start rattling Palace? Up? What? Crystal Palace? Yeah, so you have one team. Now I'll start narrowing it down for everything else. This why, one. Why am I getting excited? That was like the 12th guess. <laughs> so this other team... Was for a decent amount of time either Premier League or a yo-yo team, but has gone far down and it's not Sunderland. 
And they're in League One? This team is now actually in League Two starting this year. Oh, shoot. I should know this. An American broadcaster has played for this team. Oh, it's it's Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. It's Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> Gotta give Stu Holden some credit. Stu Holden did do some stuff for Bolton Wanderers. The other one's Barnsley. Barnsley? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That was a tough question. Yeah, I, I felt like it was a good one, but I also didn't know how to make it like less tough. Yeah. Fair play. Honestly, Sam, I, I'm going to give myself half a point for that. Sure. For the, for the Bolton thing. I think that's all I could, I think that's all I deserve for that. <laughs> Cause getting, getting crystal palace on the 12th guess or the 10th guess doesn't exactly constitute a point. So I, I think don't we'll disagree with you. We'll, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Sam, another great episode guys on SoundCloud, or if you want to do it on iTunes, let us know who you think is going to win the premier league this season. Let us know your thoughts on the Lionel Messi situation. If you want to let us know as well, you can hit us up on Twitter at SHA7, Sammy Siegs as well on Twitter. Go there if you want to see what we're doing as well with stuff outside the podcast. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on the Soccer FC Podcast.